Are you ready? Yeah, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down! Nation fam, what is up? What's happening? Ignore the little technical difficulties there. When you got five people on the pod, it's bound to happen. It's the NFL DFS Thanksgiving breakdown for the DGen Nation. Ryan Williams here coming at you. Ryan Alexander underscore W is where you can find me on Twitter. Joined by the usual suspects, Mr. Kevin Seal himself, the godfather at Fantasy Raft 13 is where you can find him on Twitter. The boy, Maddie D, Maddie Buckets, Maddie DFS on Twitter. And we got our guest tonight. Oh, man. They don't really need an introduction, but I'm going to do an introduction anyway. Derek Brown at Debro underscore FB. FFB, excuse me. Man, I'm too excited. And we got the boy Ben Cummins at Ben Cummins FF. Fellas, it's, it's like a family reunion right now. We got the tradition going live with the DFS breakdown. I don't know if we're going to go for the full 90, the two hours that we usually do when we get together. But, man, it's going to be fun. It's going to be late. We got three games. Talk to me, boys. How you guys doing? Derek? Oh, I'm doing good, man. I didn't Look, I knew this was going to be a sit-down for a while, so I just brought the bottle in here with me, and that way I can just oh, keep pouring, it. man. We're ready to go. It's lit. It's holiday season time, man. This feels like... When you find that really comfy sweater in the back of the closet and it's getting cold outside, mm. you put that thing on. This is exactly what this feels like, man. I love doing this podcast with y'all every damn year, man. Man, I love it. I love it. And Ben, how you how doing, we- man? This is your first one with us this this year, right? Yeah, it's been a couple of years. I love this Thanksgiving slate. I can't wait to break it down with this crew. Let's get it. I love it. I love it. Short and sweet as they all do. You guys can find Derek's work, FTN. He's holding down one half of the Chalk Fade podcast and Ben Cummins. You guys know him. He's doing stuff with the fantasy footballers, talking DFS all year, getting at it. He's going to be our, our fan duel, our fan duel expert, our concierge for fan duel. As we usually talk DraftKings on here, but Ben, the people want to talk about fan duel too. So happy you're here with us. Got to diversify, man. I love it. Diversify the profile and boys before, portfolio, excuse me. But before we get into it, guys, episode 90, uh, you know what it is. The TFA powered by the TFA. You guys can find us on Twitter at FF underscore authority. Make sure you're rocking with the content on YouTube. If you guys are watching us there, we appreciate you. Subscribe to the channel, like the channel, comment on the channel. Tell us what we're doing good, what we can improve on. If you tell us what we can improve on, I'm just going to toss it to Kev and have him figure it out. Uh, that's what I usually do. <laughs> subscribe to the subscribe to the 
the podcast as well, the podcast software. We're having a good time rocking with you guys. It's week 12, and we're kicking it off with the DraftKings Thanksgiving slate. Now, before we get into that, fellas, it's Thanksgiving, and I can't save this to the end. I usually do that year after year. I want to get it out the way. It's Kev's tradition. He usually talks about this around Christmas time, but with Thanksgiving, we got to talk about what we're doing Thanksgiving this year. I mean, it's a different time, but what are we excited about, boys? What are we thankful for? What are we excited about? Let's start off on a good note. Kevin, I'm going to start with you, man. Talk to the people. Get in there. I'm just looking forward to put all you motherfuckers in a body bag tonight. <laughs> oh, that's what you're thankful for, huh? Bring it, Adam Gates. Oh, let's Walk go. He didn't even stick let's around go. to hear what the Daddy hell he had to say. What's he going to get? He's going to come in. He, he's looking at the YouTube plan. channel. He, he's scheming. He's looking at the I don't like it. He's going to yeah, get props, man. Something. I bet you he's got props. Like, he doesn't thought this out. But only Kev, what are you thankful for? First, like three words out of his mouth. You motherfuckers. I love it. I love it. Let's go. <laughs> ben, take it over for him, man. What what you what you doing this Thanksgiving and how you feeling about it? NFL oh, man, well, or out otherwise? I'm just gonna just gonna, you know, uh stay safe. Just uh have it with my wife and just thankful for football, thankful for DFS, thankful for you motherfuckers and uh Thankful for my health and my job, and uh, hopefully we'll be thankful for some money on Thursday night. Hey, there we go. There we go. Maddie Buckets, talk to him, baby. What are we doing? You you traveling, right? Yeah, so my my mom's birthday is on Christmas Day, and uh, since we, I, I'm obligated to spend that with her, I, the deal with the wife is I, I do Thanksgiving Day with her family. So usually we try to go down and see my family uh a day or two before. So we're going to head down there tomorrow to the Virginia beach area. Uh, okay. See, see my family for a day or two and then come back up and, and spend Thanksgiving here. So nothing too crazy, about an hour and a half drive for us. So laying low, taking it easy, seeing some family. Thankfully Love everybody in the family has been healthy through all this. So Good. it's definitely something to be thankful for. Absolutely. No, no doubt about that. And, and Derek, you got the kiddos over there, man. You got the squad, the D-Bro squad. How's everything going over there with you? What you doing? Man, we got enough to almost feel like an offensive line uh, over here. Well, we probably be <laughs> the same thing as like the Jets offensive line. Don't block. Got like three dudes healthy. It's all good. Um, oh, oh, man, dude. like it's good. I can't complain, man. It's been a good year. I'm super thankful, man. Everybody in the family is happy, healthy, um, it's all been great, man. The fam's doing good. I'm excited, man, because I get to sit here and break open a few cold ones. I'm going to turn on the greaseless fryer, throw the turkey in there and the smoker and just chill, bro. Like Thanksgiving is no, is going to be nothing but chill and watch the football. I love it. I love it. And this is the perfect year for it, man. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for football, man. I'm thankful for the season that we've had. I mean, with everything going yeah. on, it's been such a great, just, uh, uh, way to just take the edge off after the week. I mean, go through the escape. week. Yes, yeah, Escape. Thank you, Matt. He took the Absolutely. words out of my mouth. The escape. Um, you know, you just go through the week, get that Sunday slate going. It's it's just been fun, man. It's been fun energy um, on the Twitter sphere. It's been fun energy with the friends. Ben, we've had some conversations about DFS. It's been, it's, you know, it's been a struggle. Definitely. It's a struggle all year, but that's why they give us, you know, 17 weeks in the regular season to play. We got showdowns. We got Thanksgiving slate. We got just a ton to get into. So I'll, I'm just loving it, but happy to be able to, you know, have the family all healthy as well too here and um, planning a wedding during this time as well too. So I'm um, just thankful that, you know, me and the lady are in good graces and can get to that. But 
want to get that out the way, start off on a high note here as we get into the Thanksgiving slate and what could just be changing it on its head as the Thanksgiving slate already has started off with some news. We got uh, we got COVID. We got COVID taking over the slate with it, taking over the running backs on this slate, Mark Ingram and uh, J.K. Dobbins, who just broke out last week in week 11. I shouldn't say broke out, but had another stellar game there when he's seeing the majority of the snaps in the backfield. And so we already got that. We got the injuries with, you know, the Lions with DeAndre Swift still being, you know, in that concussion protocol. We don't know what's going on with him. Kenny Galladay has been limited. Juju Smith-Schuster steps on a penalty flag, and now he's on the injury report. Just crazy <laughs> things to kind of unpack I saw that. Is that not uh, wild? No, that was crazy, man. I, I looked like almost like he was faking too. that. That was nuts. On his like, birthday, exactly, Ben. When I saw it, I said, that there's no way he got injured by stepping on the flag. There's no way. <laughs> and then sure all enough, the, he got injured by stepping on the flat. All the wrong part. Just ridiculous, man. It, but, you know, it's the it's the NFL. What we're dealing with this year is crazy, right? Uh, we got, you know, McLaurin and Gibson, they're being held out of virtual practice and, you know, showing up questionable on the injury report after missing virtual practice. I don't know how that happens or virtual walkthrough, but you know, they, they should be all right, but something to monitor. So of course we're doing this on a Monday here very early. We do things early here at the DGen nation, just to kind of give an overview of the slate. And that's where we get into it. We, we start off with three games. We got Houston, Detroit, Washington, Dallas, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and we got to start off at the quarterback position and let, let's just talk about it boys and break it down because, you know, we got guys like Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson on this slate. We also got, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, who's been who's been cooking with the receivers that he has as of late putting up numbers and then we got guys like Stafford Dalton and Alex Smith to round it out so it's going to be interesting to see where we get to builds as this was kind of shaping up the past couple weeks I think people were kind of a little bit down about it once you know uh, Alex Smith was named the starter. It didn't look like there would be much there with da- that Dallas game with Andy Dalton not being back. I think people were kind of low on that, but he just looked okay, decently in the Vikings game. So that game's looking all right. Watson's been crazy, and Stafford, if he gets his weapons back, that should be an explosive game there to top it off. And then Baltimore-Pittsburgh, you know, Pittsburgh's undefeated right now, so Baltimore could be looking to take them down uh, for their first loss of the season. So we got a lot to like in this slate. Let's unpack it here. Maddie. I'm going to start it off with you, man, because, you know, we want to get into it right off with Maddie Buckets. And just talk to me how you're feeling about the quarterback on this slate. Where are you looking? Yeah, so uh, I think you're going to have to nail the game stack because one of these three games is going to go off. Uh, I mean, you've got two defenseless teams in, in Houston and Detroit facing off in the early game of the day. So uh, it's definitely going to be the, the popular game, so, which is nice because you know by, you know, 3 o'clock in the afternoon whether you're drawing dead on, on your Houston-Detroit stacks or not. And then you can go ahead and get creative and pivot if your teams are dead and get on some low-owned stacks like maybe – go go uh go in on some some ravens against the steelers or something like that in the later games but you're there are you know the, both the raven the raven steelers game and the houston detroit game both have massive upside in terms of you know game stacks uh i mean it's four offenses who which really three offenses that are good and then you throw in the lions um but it, it the defenses man like baltimore you know They've been they've been an okay defense this year, nothing great. And then the Steelers, we'll we'll talk about them a little bit, especially when we get to the running back position. But I, I think Baltimore is going to have success against Pittsburgh, um, as they have in the last three times they've played them. But 
Uh, yeah, I, I think it starts with Deshaun Watson. I mean, Houston without David Johnson, they've really started to lean on Watson, and he's really turned that offense into into his. And you know that with uh, Randall Cobb getting hurt. I think we see this pass offense kind of start to funnel even more to the main guys than than it has over the you know over the course of this year. So a lot of people I think are going to gravitate directly towards Kiki QT, which we'll talk about him at the wide receiver position. But I think that could be a mistake, and he could be a little trappy. Uh, I think maybe you see an uptick in in volume for Will Fuller and Cooks, and and even a guy like Jordan Akins could could step in and fill some of that void that that Cobb is going to. Uh, leave with his injury. So I really like Watson. You're just going to have to be different with the rest of your team. If you play him, because he is going to be very popular. Uh, Stafford. I really like as well. If we do get Kenny Galladay in there, uh, it's, you know, one of those things where when, when the star receiver is out, we, we always try to want to play that, that wide receiver too. That's, you know, kind of could step in and, and fill his shoes but really, when the star receiver's out, the, the top cornerbacks then shift to the wide receiver two. And, and the wide receiver two is the wide receiver two for a reason. So we generally see a, a dip in efficiency on offense as a whole when, when the star players do miss. So both Galladay and Swift, I need both of them to be in for me to absolutely love this game. I, I will have Swift, Swift on every team, assuming he clears uh, the concussion protocol. But I guess that's yet to be seen. So if he's out... But Galladay plays. I really like Stafford here, and I think with everybody playing Watson, I think you can get a lower on Stafford than you should uh, against a Houston defense that's, a, that's given up 400 total yards in five of their games, and they even gave up a 600-yard game uh, a couple of weeks ago to Tennessee. Uh, that's that's a that was a fun game for me because that that Tennessee Houston stack that week is what is what won me all the money. So. Uh, I, yeah, I do man. enjoy stacking up the Houston games here uh, uh, every once in a while, but mm-hmm. and then I do think the third the third QB I really like this week is Big Ben. Uh, over the last few weeks, they've been among the top of the league in in pass rate, both in situation neutral, but also the big the big thing for me has been they've played uh, the Bengals and the Jaguars the last two games, and they've won both games very easily, but yet they continue to throw. And so it tells me they're going to continue to lean on Big Ben and in the, in the three-star receivers that they have uh, there in Pittsburgh. And, you know, we're, we're starting to see a shift away from James Conner and more to just letting Big Ben just chuck it. And so I, I think, you know, the Ravens do have good cornerbacks, but they've also given up a good amount of points this year. And, and Ravens games have been a bit of a shootout each, each and every week. So uh, I, I do like that Pittsburgh-Baltimore game as well. I love it, Maddie. I love it. Yeah, I'm curious to see what Watson's ownership is going to be. You're talking about him being the highest priced quarterback on DraftKings. I believe he is, too, on FanDuel, Ben, and feel free to correct me there um, if I'm wrong. But, you know, with him being the highest priced and then also, you know, in a good spot, it is the early game. I just feel like people want to lock in the production early, say, let me get Deshaun. Let me get a pass catcher with him bring it back with somebody else. So I just feel like the ownership there is going to be, um, you know, way inflated and not to say that he's not a good play. Cause I love Deshaun as well too, but like you were saying, Eddie, it will be, it will be important to make sure that you're looking at the rest of your team, getting it right. And then also, you know, we can talk about this as we go into the pod, but a lot of stuff with what we talked about in the past couple of years that we've been on the Thanksgiving slate, it's like monitor your teams, right? Late swap is there for a reason mm-hmm. and people will set their lineups at 1130 or 1129 and they'll forget about them. 
And Kev was, you know, talking about Christian Blake last year for the Falcons with Julio uh, Jones being uh, questionable leading up to that point and being able to pivot onto guys, you know, not to say that that will happen, but just to pivot in places will be huge, especially if you're, you're playing Watson and he's popular. So, um, Ben, why don't you talk to us and, and tell us what you're looking at at the quarterback position and how you're feeling about the slate early on this week? Yeah, for me, with a top down process, um, it all comes down to the Texans and Lions. And <clears throat> I think that both quarterbacks are in really good spots. And I, I want exposure to both quarterbacks, whether I'm actually playing both or I just have pass catchers for both. I'm with Maddie that obviously if DeAndre Swift is in, I definitely want to play him. And I think that helps the offense as a whole. Um, but regardless, this is just such a good matchup. Um the Texans are 22nd in pass defense. <clears throat> I'm sorry, guys. I just go to D, bro. <laughs> you good? You good? I do want to yeah, add. Yeah, here we Real D-bro. quick, I do want to add. Oh, talk to us, buddy. Uh, just Ryan, on your note about Watson being chalk, uh, despite his high price tag. If you look at the running back in the wide receiver position, the top, the highest price running back is Zeke at 6,800, and the highest price wide receiver is McLaurin at mm-hmm. 7K. So people are not going to have an issue jamming him in. So I, I just right. wanted to throw like roster construction is not going to be a problem. Well, and, and D bro, what, as you get into these quarterbacks, man, talk to me about this DraftKings pricing, bro, because it feels a little soft, man. We have been, you know, we had been getting to places where I felt like they were tightening it up, right? Giving us some some real greatness here as we're getting into building these lineups and I'm looking at these prices and this is my first time I'm gonna be honest with you but I'm looking at this and I'm like wait I can click on this player and this player and this player they all at the top they fit so uh, what the hell are we doing I mean what's going on here I mean I don't I don't know it looks like maybe they were drunk when they made these prices I mean this is this all feels just so soft man I mean you got like you're stacking up Watson, and you could put Will Fuller at 6,400, and Brandon Cooks is still dismissing this man at 5,300. Like, this is all egregious. It looks like somebody just got drunk and said, all right, so you know those week 12 prices? Like, I mean, like, like are the week 11 prices? Let's just run those back, man. Like, we ain't got to change shit. Let's just go. Let's go. Because, like, there's so many – like, even Deontay Johnson's still 6,200. Like – the man gets like what, like thirty-seven targets a week. What does he have to do to sit there and get priced up? I don't understand this. But it, the pricing feels ridiculously soft. I feel like we're gonna be able to make some all-star teams here, which is gonna make it really interesting. Like if you feel you're gonna have to take some stands on players and trying to be different with your builds, and if pricing is not gonna be a problem, do you go? How are you gonna be different with your builds in these spots? Are you going to full game stack some? Are you going to run three pass catchers with Watson instead of two? You know, or some quarterbacks, and what are your many correlations around those stacks going to look like? I think that's part of, like, what we're talking about overall lineup construction, where some of this kind of comes into play, where it's not just like, all right, fine, let's play all the dudes. Well, some of the dudes are might be in bad spots. So, I mean, even, like, look, come on, man. Like, Lamar Jackson is 6,800. I understand he hasn't been great this year, but – Damn, man, like that's crazy. Like quarterback pricing on this just feels so stupidly flat. You got three dudes sitting in the mid 5Ks, and we haven't even discussed Andy Dalton here yet. And I was going to ask, is there a reason to play Dalton? This like 
Because he's only what a one k cheaper than the other guys. I mean, it. So part of it depends on how you look at that game script for Stafford. I mm-hmm. can make you a case to play Dalton over Stafford because. Mm-hmm. The weapons are better. The pace in that game is going to be sneaky good. Like Washington's been pace up all year with a, a good defense or opposing de- defense on the other side. Like Dallas isn't going to stop anybody. Like Kirk Cousins just carved them the hell up. You think McLaurin can't do that? I know Logan Thomas isn't great, but Dallas sucks ass versus tight ends. So I think that that, like, you're looking at pricing and you're looking at some guys, like if everybody's going to go to the top, if any of these games disappoint, like everybody wants to jam in Lamar Jackson, we want to go with Watson, even Big Ben. I understand all of that, but I think Dallas and Washington is a really good game environment. I think Washington's defense isn't as good as people have been letting on. Kendall Fuller in the last few weeks has been beatable. I think the pace is good there. I can make you a case to go to Dalton at his price tag, and I understand we're talking about pricing is so soft here, but there's also – if pricing is soft and you could jam in all the dudes, if any of those games disappoint at all, then you're also look, looking at what? Maybe a lower-owned Andy Dalton? Yeah. No, and I, and you talk about it there. I mean, look at last week he came back. And, uh, Ben, we were actually having a conversation about this of just Andy Dalton coming off the COVID list and reports. Schefter was reporting it that, you know, might not be like feeling him feeling like himself and just, you know, it really took a toll on him. And so he comes back, but he's putting up 20 DraftKings points when he comes back. He's hitting Amari Cooper, hitting Zeke, hitting CeeDee Lamb, hitting Gallup, hitting Schultz. I mean, the the weapons that he has are just, you know, in abundance there. And so you're looking at this team. And, I, and Derek, just to talk about that game, I do think that the Washington football team will get some traction as defense in that game. So by playing, you know, Andy Dalton um, – on, on that side, and the, the pricing is soft, so maybe people will go to Steelers at the top and they feel comfortable doing that, but I really think that they'll think, okay, Chase Young on that side and those guys get in, get sacks. Like, I mm-hmm. think that that's a way to kind of get, you know, sneaky, and there's a, there's very good correlation there because a lot of people will look at Terry McLaurin being at the top of the slate, looking in a good matchup and say, okay, I just want to play him ISO, right, not just taking the whole game environment to effect, and you can take a pass catcher or two or – you know, Dalton, Zeke, and a pass catcher stacking with McLaurin, and already you're starting to build contrarian stacks with, you know, possibly leaving money on the table too because of how pricing is. So uh, I think a lot needs to be said there, especially with that being the second game on the slate. I feel like those middle games always go a little bit overlooked. And when you have a game environment like Baltimore and, Pitt, Baltimore and Pittsburgh on the end, uh, bookmark within the front, Houston and Detroit, that, that game's sneaky to me as well too. Let me Kev, um... oh, go ahead, Ben. Let me try to put my anxiety at ease here. And I, that's actually a leverage spot that I like is Washington's defense. Um, <clears throat> I was surprised with how Andy Dalton played last week, but I do think Washington's defense is pretty legit. And after Dallas looked really good last week, I think it's a recency bias a play a little bit. <clears throat> and it kind of correlates with what Maddie said. To me, as I said earlier, the Texans and Lions is by far and away the best game on the slate. And then Ravens and Steelers is second. So I want to get my defense from Washington Cowboys if I can. And I really do like Washington because their front seven is bad. I mean, obviously, they just really hurt Burrow, which sucks. Um, And then just going back to the top of the leaderboard, like I was saying earlier, I think Deshaun Watson, yes, you always have to think about ownership, especially on a three-game slate. But there are obviously different ways that you can get unique exposure. We've talked about that already. 
Um, by, by, by far and away, <clears throat> I think Watson is the best quarterback play in the slate because we see now in 2020 – these dynamic quarterbacks are dominating fantasy football. Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson. Deshaun Watson is right there. And I think that we're forgetting a little bit how good he is just because the Texans haven't been good. But if you look at what he's done since Bill O'Brien's dumbass got fired, he's been just dominating and he's been their entire offense. Uh, I think I saw a report that the owner took him out to dinner last week, asked him who he wanted to be the next head coach. I mean, this is the guy. And there's no reason to play themselves out of a bad draft pick because they don't have the draft pick. Miami has it. So Watson's just kind of on a YOLO tour and the Lions are fucking awful. They're so bad. So I don't think you overthink it. And my main team will have Watson and then we can get contrarian with the stack. But then back to the Stafford thing, um, I think that there's fun leverage to be had with Stafford. Because Stafford's a fucking baller, and it depends on the offense. If if their offense is super banged up, that sucks. But what I was trying to get at is I still want some exposure to this offense because the Texans' defense is still trash, too. They're 28th in, in overall defensive DVOA. They're 22nd pass DVOA. They're dead last in run DVOA, which is why we want Swift back. If Swift is back, he's a lock. But I want some exposure. And then like you talked about, then it depends on what happens. Um, If you're making a ton of teams, of course, you want to diversify, but you'll know early what your lineups are going to look like, and then you can pivot if need be. But I definitely think if I'm ranking these games, Texans-Lions from a fantasy standpoint is way up there, and then you got a notch down to Ravens and Steelers and another notch down to Washington and Cowboys because Watson Watson and Stafford can both get it done. And the defenses are just so awful that it's just such a really, really good atmosphere for fantasy points. Ben, I'll actually like, I'll push back just a little bit. I, I think Washington and Dallas is number two for me. I really? think that game, I, yes, I think that game it has a lot of different factors, man. The Cowboys corners are absolute dog shit. They're terrible. Um, I think the pace is going to be really good in that game. I think that, I mean, Dalton last week didn't even, he threw for 200 yards and three tutties. Like if he, he could have had a fourth with CD lamb, if he wouldn't have like sailed it, if he can get above 25 points, which I mean, he would have been there if he had got any other touchdown. There's a lot of different factors. And I think a lot of people are going to rank that game really low, but there's a lot of sneaky things that I like about that because yes, I will not debate. Like I think Washington's front line is, legit really really good but we did see i mean dallas run blocked extremely well in a bad spot versus the vikings move it they moved zach martin to to tackle last week got a little bit of better offensive line play i think that um it's still ingrained in all of our heads that andy dalton played absolutely terrible like a damn deer in the headlights versus the cardinals that i think that there's still a lot of things about that game that i really really like and to your point, I did see that Anthony Brown, the cornerback for the Cowboys, is probably going to miss, which obviously mm. makes me like Terry McLaurin. If there's anybody from that game that I like, it's Terry McLaurin, yeah, other than Washington. Yes. Yeah. No, I, yeah, McLaurin is is in a great spot. And, and, and I think a lot of people will try and figure out ISO plays to island plays in that Baltimore and Pittsburgh game so that they have some PMR, you know, minutes remaining left on their on their teams. They're not going to want to be done by the time that that game comes around. And, and so it'll be interesting to see how Bills get to Kev. 
we haven't heard from you, man. But Godfather, talk to us, child. Please get in here and uh, let us know what you're doing at quarterback. I, I have a funny feeling that we're going to be surprised here, but you could you could uh, fool me. Well, I mean, obviously the first game is is definitely. And the you one already fooled me because you're. Oh, there you go. I said, I said the first game that that we have here is the is the one that we uh, are obviously going to want to play, right? Uh, but the, the thing that worries me, I'll say this is because if Galladay doesn't play and DeAndre Swift doesn't play, like the I want no part of the then I want really no part of the Lions because the Lions and, and we're, we're we still haven't even talked about the fact that Stafford has a torn th- or torn ligament in his thumb. Um, so that is obviously another issue with that offense. Point. If that offense has nobody, you're not afraid of their run game at all. I mean, Adrian, I mean, we just saw it, right? The Panthers have a terrible run defense as well. You run against them and they couldn't do a fucking thing on the ground. Adrian Peterson is dust. Carry on Johnson still carry on Johnson. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know how, like, I feel like this game though, like could go different directions of what people think that it does. Like I still like Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is probably, and there's a reason he's the most, uh, you know, high priced quarterback on this slate. If you just look at him, I mean, he's second in passing yards. He's sixth in, or uh, second in passing yards over the last six weeks. Overall, he's sixth in passing yards on the season. He has four 300 yard passing games over his last six games. Uh, he's ninth in total air yards, eighth in deep ball attempts, ninth in air yards. Uh, sixth in deep ball completion percentage. He also gets it done on the ground. He's sixth in carries, eight red zone carries, seventh in yards, and one rushing touchdown on the season. So there is a ton to like here with Deshaun Watson. And I think you can stack him with Will Fuller. I think you can stack him with um, you know, with with Brandon Cooks. I think you could stack him with both of them. And then, you know, if you don't want to run him back with anybody, I don't think this is the type of slate you have to run him back with any, anybody because I think there's a chance here that you don't really need to run him back with anybody. Kind of like people did probably last week with uh, Justin Herbert, right? Where people weren't running him back or doing a run back on the Jets side because there was really nobody there you liked. And I think that's something you could do because I do think I, – I honestly – the Baltimore Steelers – the Baltimore Raven or Baltimore Steelers game, I think, to me is – could end up being the best game on this entire slate. Yep. I know that it's a division could rival, be. and I know yep. that that when we, we look at this and we say, oh, you know, th- th- these games are usually really close, tight, tight contested games. But there is factions on both sides of this game. One, the Steelers' defense has, to me, the, the question with him is, is Kane, what can you do inside the red zone? Because from the 20 to 20, like, they can be had. Their, their corners are good. I wouldn't say they're elite. Um, I think all of them have been average uh, for the most part this year. But once they get down inside the red zone, they really clamp down. The same thing against the run, right? And we'll talk about that with the running backs. They've had they've given up rushing yards this year. They just gave up 70 to James Robinson. Uh, in this very same game we, we saw a couple weeks ago, or however long it was ago, they 247 rushing yards that this team allowed. Like every single week, they're giving up rushing yards. But once they get down to the 20, it, they 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 clamp down and they they tight down. They they allow teams to do whatever they want from twenties to twenties, and then they clamp down inside the red zone. So the question is though, for me with somebody like Lamar, is he's going to have to throw the ball in this game because if you mm-hmm. look at they're, they're not going to have J.K. Dobbins, they're not going to have Mark Ingram, they're going to have basically uh, Gus Edwards, which is a problem because when you put him out there, he does not catch passes. So when you have him out there, the teams are not going to be worried about you trying to throw the ball because he is not out there to, to as a pass-catching running back. In the last two years, he has like six receptions, okay, and like eight targets. Like he's not a pass-catcher at all. 
And so if you put Justice Hill out there, I don't think he's somebody you want and pass blocking either. So the question is, is can Baltimore throw the ball? Because if Baltimore is not able to get their running game going, which has been their biggest problem, right? Because I think like somebody like Marquise Brown could be could be the actual uh, slate breaker. And somebody that is going to mm-hmm. be super low owned. The guy's been absolute trash uh, so far this year, really over the last month, month and a half. But he's somebody, in my opinion, that, that can kind of break this slate. That could go off for 150 yards and two touchdowns, and nobody has him. Mm-hmm. But in this game, I feel like that the Baltimore Pittsburgh game has so many so many better avenues. I think to where for fantasy points, and you're right. I think everybody's going to want to play this early game, and they're going to want to get in some Amari Cooper or some Ceedee Lamb or and Terry McLaurin. And you're not going to have many people that really stack this this last game because it's the last game and everything else. And I think that's a mistake. And I think this could actually be the best game on the slate where we're looking at a 31 to 28 type of game at the end of it. And I think this. this so for me, like I think for me to get a little contrarian on a three game slate, that's the game I want to attack. But that's what I mean, Kev, is I don't really want to play many players in that that middle game, to be honest. And I love what you said, because, yeah, we have to remember that Stafford has the injured thumb. And if there if there's a ton of players that are hurt, if Galladay doesn't come back, if Amendola doesn't come back, if Swift doesn't come back, I definitely want to have some Marvin Jones. Um, but obviously, he probably will be somewhat chalky since it's a three game slate. So I think you can play the domination stack with Watson. That's how good Watson has been. And you don't have to stack him with just two players. We've, I think uh, Matty already threw his name out there. I like Jordan Akins as a tight end play. Kiki QT will be relatively low owned. So you can go with a triple stack or you can wait uh, because people don't like to usually wait. And Steelers Ravens division game you know we think it won't be that high scoring I said it's my second favorite game for a reason and I do think you bring up some interesting points about Lamar Jackson because you look at what their running backs going to be out this falls on Lamar Jackson and you have to kind of make tough decisions based on how many lineups you're making and you have to decide for yourself whether you think Lamar is going to be able to get it done or not and I have serious questions about that however if he does like he they're fighting for their playoff lives right now, life right now, and they don't really have anything else. So not only is he going to have to get it done through the air, which he has done from time to time. I mean, he looked good against the Patriots. Everybody does. But that was in the rain. So he has proven he can do it. Um, and of course, they're going to need his legs as well. You know, again, like we talked about J.K. Dobbins um, and. um uh, Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram. Thank you. Both out. Nick Boyle out, which I think is the 100% most underrated injury because no one, you know, was going to talk about that because it's Nick Boyle. But we have to remember that the Ravens offense last year got it done with three tight ends. Hayden Hurst is now in Atlanta and Nick Boyle's on IR. That's partly why I think we see Willie Sneed getting more usage because let's mm-hmm. let's be real. Marquise Brown could pop off. But he hasn't done it all year because Lamar Jackson loves to throw down the middle of the field. So that increases Mark Andrews' usage now that there's no second tight end. That increases Willie Sneed's usage. I mean, Des Bryant came in, played half the snaps, and got five targets last week. So there's pieces there for Lamar Jackson to get it done, and he's going to have to. But I have questions about that, and so I think you know this is the more obvious route. I'm looking at the Steelers side of the ball, and obviously we know what the wide receivers have done there, especially Deontay and Chase Claypool. Um, And I think maybe, you know, 
it's good to kind of move into the running backs because James Conner continues to be a tournament play. I think he'll be a tournament play again on this slate because it's a three game slate. Um, I liked him last week and, you know, Benny Snell gets the touchdown and that's something that you have to worry about, but he still plays the majority of the snaps. He's still on one of the best offenses in this slate and the running back position is ass, um, which is why I think that maybe I'd be interested to hear your guys' thoughts on Zeke Elliott, because I think to me, he's a very interesting fade in tournaments, especially on FanDuel where uh, usage doesn't matter uh, as much touchdowns do and just going back to hammer the point, and then I'll shut up. This Texans and Lions game, even if you don't want to go crazy with pass stacks, the Lions have given up um, the most DraftKings and FanDuel points to the running back position this year on both sites. And the Texans have given up the third most FanDuel points and DraftKings points on both sites. So from a running back position standpoint to get exposure to my favorite game and also be a little bit contrarian, obviously that's not going to be the case if DeAndre Swift comes back. Everybody will be on that. But that makes me like Duke Johnson. Again, it's a three-game slate. Uh, Duke Johnson, 16.7 opportunities per game over his last three, played on 77% of the snaps last week. And he could catch a touchdown from Watson. So that's a contrarian way to get a uh, stack in there. Watson doesn't throw to his running backs that much, as we know Lamar Jackson doesn't. But he can do it, and he will do it. And we know Duke Johnson can catch passes. So I'm looking at some running backs there. I'm looking at James Conner. And I'm I'm looking to find ways, as I haven't started to make my builds, to fade Zeke. Because honestly, I'll just go back to it real quick. Washington defense is kind of my recency bias. Oh, Cowboys are good again. Now nah, I think Andy Dalton could come out and suck. And if you play Washington D and you think that Washington wins this game, which I kind of, that's my contrarian thought process right now, then Anto- Antonio Gibson makes sense from a game flow standpoint. But if you think the opposite, then JD McKissick, especially on DraftKings is in play. Yeah. Preach to him, Ben. Preach to him. You, lots to unpack there. So let's let's talk about these running backs and talk about Zeke and what you do, because he is the highest price. He comes in at sixty eight hundred. And I feel like people want the safety at the running back position. And with how soft the pricing is this week, how can you especially let's not even I mean, I don't even want to get into a Swift is on the slate and then people playing both of them. If Swift is out, that is going to up the right. Zeke ownership Mm -hmm. immensely 80 because you're looking i mean probably well it depends on the tournaments i feel like you know if if you're in large fields i i think it's well over 60 percent for a running back because you're looking at the guys who are priced around him at least on DraftKings, and it's connor and it's gibson um which you know on DraftKings, i still i still feel like people have a hard time playing gibson even though he's had two strong showings because of the snap share that mckissick is seeing and because he catches passes so people i feel like look at gibson's upside as being limited so they're looking at zeke being there and even though tony pollard scored the touchdown last week and he's not getting near as significant as run but he's still getting spelled for zeke i i, I think it's, he's still playing you're a looking bit. at zeke catching yeah, you're looking at Zeke getting two targets, three targets, two targets, two targets. So I think people will just talk themselves into playing Zeke in that game and moving out. So at the running back position, it's really interesting because, like I said, Elliott, Swift, Connor, Gibson are your are your four running backs priced 6000 and above 
on DraftKings. And then you have the likes of Duke Johnson, as as Ben, you are alluding to, in a favorable matchup here against Detroit, who has not been able to stop running backs at all. They're just so um, McKissick fell in that same game. And then if, if Swift is out, we have the roulette again of Peterson and Carrion Johnson getting into the fold. And now Peterson looked looked dusty last week. He looked like ass, only had like seven carries, I believe, or whatever it was. Carrion Johnson came in, was the pass catching back. And Kev even talked about him kind of being that pass catching back last week if, if Swift was being ruled out to play him at the minimum. And he, you know, five points, that's not, you know, what you're what you're looking for really, but he is 4,300 just off the minimum. I mean, you're talking about a leverage play. If he somehow finds his way into the end zone, yeah, he could, you know, be an interesting play there. So there is some interesting things. And then we got Gus Edwards, who's 4K, who will get some traction there. So it makes it really interesting because as we're talking about this on a Monday, let's say Swift is out. So you your people are playing Zeke and they're playing Gus Edwards cheap. And so they can play Watson and they play all the receivers. They play Mark Andrews at tight end and they play the Steelers D and they just log out. Or, you know, are they Swift is in, you're playing three running backs and that's not really showing us, you know, that this year tight end or tight end wide receiver and the flex has been very key to winning tournaments. And now we're on a slate where running back is ugly, but if you get swift in, you have Zeke, you have Connor there. I really could see people playing three running back builds and you could even get leverage just by having a wide receiver in your flex. So let's, let's talk about this. Go ahead, Ben. And I think we talked about it. I think before we started recording, I think it's a four wide receiver week, even on FanDuel. Um, it obviously makes more sense on DraftKings, but even on FanDuel, I think it's a four wide receiver week. And that makes me even more excited about potentially fading Zeke because there will be people that want to play three running backs. If they do, they're definitely playing Zeke. And, I, you know, I mean, I've already kind of belabored the point, but I just think Washington's defense, especially their front seven, is legit. They're seventh in overall defensive DVOA. They are middle of the pack and run DVOA as Minnesota was. And Zeke had a good game last week. So, of course, he could. But I just think on a three game slate, he'll be so high owned. Um, and it's a great point, Ryan, about if DeAndre Swift does not play, because I was surprised to see that Carrion Johnson played on 70% of the snaps last week um, per football guy. So if we think that the game script will be somewhat the same, and even though I think Stafford's a baller, you know, Patricia just sucked. I mean, Patricia is literally Bill O'Brien. So I think Watson balls out <laughs> and wins again. And so if that's the right, case, then right. you we're probably going to see a lot of carry on again. And that's another way to get interesting exposure, because at least for me, my main inclination is I want at least two Watson pass catchers and some of my builds. I want at least Stafford, one Stafford pass catcher. I talked about that. And then, of course, I'm playing at least one of these Steelers wide receiver uh, wide receivers on at least most, if not all of my teams. I mean, they're too good. Uh, pick, you know, right. pick your poison. But so. That that leads to only two running backs, and I think that that makes sense as well because I don't really like the running backs on this slate. Hey, Matty, talk to us about running back because you've you've been a guy. We've had numerous conversations this year on the DJ Nation Pod about how running backs have disappointed, right? Like how they are just not hitting in the same ways. At least the high price running backs, where you have to like have these guys, you know, and in the past couple of weeks, I guess it's worked out. Dalvin Cook last week, he gets 29 points or whatever it was in the 20, high 20 range. And that kind of works out because nobody else got there. And then the other week, you know, you had Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara kind of getting there, but at low ownership because people, you know, didn't want to play them. It was late ruled in and people are looking for safety. And so when we're talking about safety here, 
you're looking at this slate and you're saying, okay, where can I just be safe and get my 15 to 20 points at the running back position and move on and get my big scores from wide receivers. So how, how is that factoring in for you at all when you're, when you're looking at teams that you can make this week? So I I do want to say that I think when you analyze the running back position, it's different on a three game slate as it is from an 11 or 12 game slate, right? So you have those full, those full slates. You're, you're looking for guys who can go out and put up monster 25 to 35 point games. That's not going to come from guys that are, you know, price 4K that are, you know, go Adrian Peterson's of the world or, or maybe Gus Edwards against the Steelers. Like you're, you're not going to get those monster games out of those guys. So what you got to do on a, on a three game slate is you've got to find guys who are going to get locked into volume. They're going to be involved and you've just got to try to luck box into the touchdowns and the production. Because, I mean, there's only three games, and and like we were talking about earlier today in our group chat, like there's really only like three or four running backs who we would even consider on a full game, on a full slate of, of this bunch. And one of them is DeAndre Swift, who is not, he might not even play. So you kind of have to take a step back and look at it. And, and it. and that is why I do have interest in Gus Edwards. And so if you look at the matchup with Pittsburgh, uh, they do rank – you know, the, the bottom of the leaderboards in terms of rushing production allowed this year. But you look at the teams they've played, the teams they've played have, have not been very good at running the football. So you've got the Giants, the Broncos, the Texans. Uh, Miles Sanders had a 80 yards on only only 11 carries earlier this year. Uh, the Browns had an okay ga- game against them. Uh, the Titans, Henry had an okay game. I think he went for 75 and a tutty. Uh, the, and then you look at the last four weeks. The last four weeks are what have really been a red flag for me looking at, at the Steelers' defense. So you've got four weeks ago, the Ra- this same Ravens offense that, that they're about to face ran for 265 total yards against them on 47 carries. 47. The Ravens are already a team who do not want to let Lamar throw the ball. And I know we talked about how they may be forced to in, in this spot because they are without Mark Ingram and they are without J.K. Dobbins. But I do think they are still going to run the ball a lot. I think you're going to see over 30 attempts at least. Uh, Most of them are going to come from Gus Edwards. Uh, Gus Edwards leads the Ravens in red zone rush attempts, even with Ingram and Dobbins active. Edwards has 13, and both Ingram and Dobbins have 11 each. Uh, And then you look at the the routes run. So Dobbins obviously leads the team because he's the best pass catcher by far. He's got 158 routes run. And then second on the team in routes run is Gus Edwards at 59 routes. So I know he's only seen seven targets this year, but he has been out there running routes and he's going to be the main guy. They're not going to just turn it over to Justice Hill. They've already shown us that Gus Edwards is an important part of their offense and what they want to do on a weekly basis, even when they're fully healthy. So I think you see a guy who sees probably 80 to 85% of the running back opportunities this week. Uh, he's minimum price. And then you look at, again, the Steelers over the last three games, not even including that 265-yard outburst from, from Baltimore four games ago, they ranked second worst in the league in terms of yards per carry at 5.2. They gave up 144 rushing yards to Dallas three weeks ago. They gave up 139 rushing yards to the Bengals two weeks ago, which had – Giovanni Bernard, Travion Williams, and, and Samaj P. Ryan. Like, you're giving up 140 rushing yards to those guys and then 73 rushing yards to the Jaguars last week. So I don't think it's as bad of a spot as we think it is just by looking at it on paper 
And then you throw in the fact that the Ravens have one of the more dominant offensive lines and, and they can just run the ball on really anybody, which they showed us four weeks ago in this same matchup. So I, I really like Edwards. I, I just think that the opportunities are going to be there. He's men priced. Um, I, I am curious to see what his ownership does get up to because mm-hmm. if it gets very high, that is when I will, you know, kind of back off of him a little bit because I do think this slate in particular, there are a lot of different ways you can go with this slate to be different. And, and I really don't want to force myself to play a chalky guy, especially like Gus Edwards. Uh, and then if you look at the top, like you guys mentioned, you know, I, I hadn't really thought about fading Zeke, but, but the more you guys talk about it, it does make a lot of sense. He's easy to fit in. You know, you run the ball on Washington. It, it is a good matchup there. But if the Cowboys offense does struggle, which they have ever since Dak has been out, I mean, Zeke's first 100-yard game was last week. He's averaged seven seven 100-yard games every year that he's played, and his first one this year was last week. And the Washington defense, I mean, they have been a solid unit all year. They don't really give up a ton of points. Um, the, the production against them does come on the ground, but, I man, I think, you know, you just kind of bite the bullet. Duke Johnson, he's going to get a lot of work. He's going to see 16 to 20 opportunities. Gus Edwards, I expect to see in the same range of, of opportunities. They both cost way less than Zeke does, uh, and it allows you to fit in Watson and Will Fuller and Terry McLaurin, and you can pay up for Mark Andrews if you want to go that route. Um, so, yeah, running backs gross. I just think this week is different, uh, and I, I just wanted to ha- hammer on Gus Edwards and why I do think he's a good play uh, despite the matchup with the Steelers. Two things. One, I just feel like some people will look at, oh, Zeke gets to play Washington, lock it in. And, again, I think that if you look at the numbers and you just look at their their defense, they're better than people will give them credit for because, oh, they're Washington, they're bad. Yeah, their offense sucks, but their defense is really good. And there's I have legitimate questions about if Andy Dalton can continue to keep it going. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that your points were fantastic about Gus Edwards. I didn't realize – I hadn't gone back and looked at their first game – how much success they had against the run against the Steelers earlier this year. Because again, kind of what I was saying about how we know Lamar, you know, as much as we want to make Marquise Brown happen, and he could, we know he loves to throw the ball down the middle of the field. Well, what else did the Ravens do? They run the ball. And I just went back and looked because I, I, you know, remember being surprised over the last month, like hearing Gus Edwards' name so much, um, even before the breakout last week, um, the four games before that, uh, for Edwards, 13 opportunities per game. And back to your first point, Maddie, like on a three-game slate, any running back that's getting 13 opportunities per game, and now you mean to tell me he's probably going to get more touches because he's <laughs> going to be the main guy? He's absolutely in play. And I just think I, I question how chalky he will get. I get he's super cheap, but I think a lot of people will do the opposite of the Zeke and Washington thing and just be like, oh, against the Steelers? No, I can't do it, um, especially because – we don't want running backs that don't catch passes. Like that's not the sexy thing, but for Baltimore's offense, we know that that's a huge component. He'll get the touches. And like you said, if you have anybody on a three game slate that falls into the end zone, especially if they're relatively ish low owned um, and they're affordable and it frees you up to do other things, they're in play. So I love what you said because that just kind of adds a little bit more fuel to my fire about potentially fading Zeke. Now I'm going to be making multiple teams. It's Thanksgiving. Of course, I'm not 
probably not going to fade Zeke on all. That would be a little ridiculous because you want to diversify. But I just do think that the theory makes sense, especially when we are now being given a guy like Gus Edwards, who's going to be getting the touches. And I talked about Duke Johnson and everything else before. So, Yeah, so the, the way you look at, I think, the Ravens, so it's, a, it's kind of a three-pronged thing, right? So they want to give their running backs – a ton of work. They they th- they throw in at like a forty two percent pass rate, which is I think either the lowest or second lowest in the league. They don't want to turn it over to Lamar. So three th- one of three things has to happen: either Gus Edwards gets the majority of touches, Justice Hill steps in, and Gus Edwards only sees a slight bump, and Justice Hill takes on a, a massive role, which could happen. I I don't think it does, but I it, there is a path to that happening. Or three. Lamar Jackson throws a ton. And if Lamar Jackson throws a ton, you are going to see a, I think you would see a Marquise Brown explosion game. But I just, I don't know that that's the route they go considering the success that they have had. Even if you go back to last year, this, the Steelers defense was the exact same defense essentially. And last year, uh, the Ravens ran for 138 yards and 223 yards on the Steelers. And then two two forty six this year. So, I mean, that's like 600 rushing yards in three games against them. So I think, I think we know what their game plan is going to be and whether or not it works. I, I'm willing to go down with the ship that, you know, they're just going to try to run the ball. So I'm just going to put the Justice Hill thing to bed. He's played 17 snaps on the year. <laughs> Gus Edwards has played 205. Yeah. So I just think, I think yeah. you're galaxy braining a little bit if you do that. And I would throw in one more option there for the Ravens. Again, they're they're fighting for their playoff lives. <clears throat> Maybe they just say, you know, screw it, Lamar. Like, uh, you know, we're gonna have you try rushing. to have a hundred rushing yeah. yards. Yeah. Exactly. For and sure. if they if they did that, I would argue that that would help Edwards because now they're driving down the field. Now the defense has to worry about, oh shit, Lamar's carving us up. Now all of a sudden. When, you know, they, they run read option, Edwards gets it. He's just up the gut for 15, 20 yards. So, um, you know, if they did that, I think that would even make things a little bit more exciting for their running game as a whole, which would help Gus Edwards. Kev, talk to me about running back where, where you're looking at before we move on to wide receiver here. It's, uh, we've, had a, we've had a conversation here because it is important, right? You have to get these running backs right. There's two spots on, on DraftKings and FanDuel, uh, three if you include the flex. And so, um, you know, there, there's going to be mistakes that are made here and we want to try and avoid those. So how are you going to try and avoid those on your lineups? Avoiding Gus Edwards. <laughs> 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 so listen, listen, okay, listen, okay. Listen, Linda. All right. So here's a couple of things. One, I, I get what you're saying, all right? And, and some of the points you make, I, I will say, are, are certainly valid. It is certainly a three-game hey, play. That's okay. That's progress from where we were at earlier today. Okay. So I, I will accept no that as a small victory. Hey, lower ownership percentage. I'm good. <laughs> but so, so I will say that. However, one, saying what, what Justice Hill's snaps are doesn't matter. You can throw that out because that, that doesn't matter for nothing whenever – I mean, it's been, they've had all the other running backs. They literally are just going to have Gus Edwards, right, uh, before they had uh, you know J.K. Dobbins, who was the pass-catching running back. And saying he run 59 routes is kind of worthless too whenever you're, at, you're saying he, he averages five routes run a game. Like it doesn't really matter. Like he, he, he's not out there running routes. You're just using it as a number. Like, because that number Basically, really doesn't. Was saying he was second most behind Dobbins, which if you have Dobbins, Dobbins is gonna run the routes. Right, right. But if you're only running five routes a game, I mean, that's not that's nothing. 
I mean, no, I know, but that's with Dobbins. So that's also with three running backs per week. Yeah. That's not just now it's two. So just give him more context here. Anyway, go ahead, Kev. So I, I will, I will, <laughs> he, is, he, is, he is 100% touchdown. He, he's, he's, one, he's 100% touchdown dependent. If he doesn't find the end zone, he's probably not going to work out for you, right? Like I said, I, I said it whenever we talk about quarterbacks, that if you look at the, at the Steelers, that they, they have given up yards on the ground. It's certainly something that they've done. They, they have struggled with. They are not as elite as people think, uh, as whenever you just look at the base numbers mm-hmm. to say what they've done against the ground. Mainly, they've only allowed five rushing touchdowns on the entire year to running backs. So th- that has, has helped them in their numbers. So, so can I see a path that Gus Edwards gets 80 yards and a touchdown and 4K? Does it work out? Yes. However, if you go back and look uh, in that game against the Ravens, or the, the Ravens-Steelers game, the Ravens got up. It was a 17-7 game at half. So at that point, they're able to – the, the script is in their favor. They're able to do pound and ground – or ground and pound that the rock the entire first half for the most part, right? <laughs> the Steelers scored early, and then after that, the Ravens kind of dominated. And that game, it really was not looking good for the Steelers until the second half when the Steelers really started to turn it on, which allowed them to do that. If it goes the other direction, which as of right now, when you look at the the, the Ravens' offense, like we're not seeing a whole lot from their passing attack that says that they're, that they're going to be able to do that. So if they're not able to score quickly and get up on the Ra- or get up on the Steelers, that is where I find it a problem for for Gus Edwards because they're not going to just keep pounding the rock with them. They're going to have to throw the ball, and I think they use Lamar Jackson as a running back, and and he gets far more carries. And I think that then you bring Justice Hill onto the field and he's going to get far more pass catching work because that's what they're going to need him for. And so to me, you have to tell yourself whatever story you think that they have this game is going to go. I think it's far more likely that the Steelers get up early in this game and are forcing the Ravens to throw. And if that happens, that's how I think he fails. I will say, I think we also are just, I don't, I haven't heard anybody talk about James Conner or really uh, do much. I think he's a terrific play. (laughs) Well, um jo- thanks for joining us, Kev. Uh I brought him up earlier. Well, I don't think there's been enough conversation uh, about him. I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To me, he, I'm just he, waiting. I think he is actually the best running back yeah. on the screen. <laughs> and, and and it seems to be like he's the guy that kind of like, okay, he's been mentioned and he's been he's been discussed. But like I think he there's the path that he really is the best running back on the slate, as long as DeAndre Swift is out. If DeAndre Swift is in, I, it's DeAndre Swift. But if, if John Schwartz is out, I think it's James Conner. James Conner is a bell cow back. There's questions I can bring up about Zeke Elliott. Because, like, well, one thing I'll say about him is he hasn't been getting targets lately. All right, he's only got nine targets the last four weeks. They've been, they've been giving it and saving it to Tony Pollard. And and he's he's played – last week he only played 60% of the snaps. Uh, I think he's like – the last four games, like he's had one game where he's played over 80% of the snaps. He's been playing around the 60% mark. And Tony Potter's become more involved in the offense. So that's why I'd be a little worried about him. But in terms of James Conner, one, Brandon Williams likely still going to be out. Calais Campbell likely still going to be out, which is a big problem for that Ravens run defense. The Ravens, if you look at them mm. over the last six weeks, they are they have allowed the second fewest passing yards, but they've allowed the six most run yards, uh, rushing yards on the ground. Like this is a team you can certainly run the ball on. And so I think James Conner is being slept upon. Uh, a little bit um, in terms of, like I said, I think he's the best running back on the slate, not named DeAndre Swift, if DeAndre Swift actually plays. 
6,200, he's cheaper. I, I, I think you can do a lot with him. I think I would lock him in every lineup. Whether I want to run Big Ben or not, I still want him in my lineups because it's only a three-game slate. And I think he's involved in the passing game. He's gonna see he's gonna see work in the passing game, which I love. Again, I think Duke Johnson's also uh, a viable candidate, and I think Antonio Gibson. I think is also. Um, I know he missed practice today, but I, mm-hmm. it's a walkthrough. I don't care about that. But I think those are the guys for me. Mm-hmm. James Conner, DeAndre Swift if he plays, Duke Johnson, Antonio Gibson are the guys that I really want to play. And if I'm gonna get weird, I'm gonna play someone like Carryon Johnson in the in the mindset that they're down, they're gonna have to throw the ball, and he can luck box his way to the end zone, and, and that's it. I love it. So you're on the fade Zeke uh, potentially as well movement. Yes, because I think he's going to be the, the highest owned guy on the slate. I, I think that this game, it looks a little gross to me, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, I'm with you. I, I will say this as well. Like if you, if you look at Dallas, like Dallas is actually the last six weeks, they're like, they've only allowed like, I think it's like eighth or ninth fewest passing yards. They, but they've been terrible against the run. Um, now some of that's game script and how the games have went and stuff like that. Some of that's crappy ass quarterbacks they played too. Right, right, right. And then they're because I mean, Cousins ripped well. them in half. I would argue they've actually With been better Alex against Smith. the run recently. Yes. Because, I mean, Dalvin Dalvin scored 29 points, but a lot of that was, was through the air I, I, off the top. And that's of my behind head. a top two to and three run-blocking line. Yeah, top three run-blocking mm-hmm. line, and he struggled. Right. He struggled. He barely got over the 100-yard mark, which mm-hmm. for Dalvin, he consistently gets over the 100-yard mark. So, you yeah, know, I, him check. I, think da- I think Dallas's run defense is what's been the, the more improved thing, and I think – the Washington, if they're going to have success, will be through the air. And that's – we haven't talked about receiver yet, but I, Terry McLaurin, man, I'm going to have a lot of him. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, D- Derek, talk, talk to us about James Conner because I know yeah. you were you were kind of yeah. high on him. And, and take, it, take it into the wide receiver for us as you you spill, spill out your wide, or running back thoughts as we head into wide receiver. I mean, so I've been on the fade Zeke train all year long, and the reason I'm going to give some pushback to this is I feel like the Dallas offensive line blocked a shit ton better last week. Going against Vikings, the Vikings are seventh in open field yards allowed. Now, you look at Dallas walking into that week, they were 32nd in open field yards. Like, Zeke had, like, one or two 15-yard runs of the entire fucking year. And walking into that matchup, I was on fade Zeke. Like, I don't want Zeke. People are like, oh, but his volume and stuff like that. And the dude runs for 100 fucking yards. Like, on a three-game slate, we know he's going to get 20 to 25 touches. I don't care. I don't give two shits if he's the highest on the running back. Like, I think that, like, we need to look at overall lineup ownership and not worry about fading. Um, we're talking about how disgusting this whole damn slate is about running back. <laughs> we got one yeah. running back that's going to get probably like twenty five fucking touches. Yeah, and we're, you're talking like everybody's talking about like you know maybe Dallas can win this game, maybe they don't, but like we know he's going to get the damn ball. The sure. rest of these mm-hmm. dudes, we don't know about that. I you know so like I am not worried about Zeke ownership. What what I'm worried about is like what do we see ownership and chalk construction? So if Gus Edwards is going to get a shit ton of ownership, and I want to play Zeke, well I'm going to have to di- differentiate. In my Zeke lineups, I'm not going to play Gus. In my Gus lineups, I'm not going to play Zeke. I'm not going to eat the chalk on the two most home running backs in this whole possible slate. So on those lineups, I might run Gus and Connor. And yes, I know the negative correlation, but if both these teams want to keep the ball 
on the damn ground in a divisional game in a home game for Pittsburgh where they're favored by four and a half points, then Connor's set up like for all the reasons that Kev brought up. Like I was big into Derrick Henry last week, you know, like I them missing two defensive linemen that we don't even know are going to be back this week. And yes, over the last four to five weeks, James, like Baltimore has not been good. Like even if those two defensive linemen were in, they are bottom of the league. Like they're bottom three. I haven't seen the metrics like after week 11, but walking into last week, they were 31st over the last four weeks in explosive run rate. Like they were giving up chunk runs continuously. And so a lot of where I end up on running back is going to depend on one. Do we get DeAndre Swift? Do we not? I'm guessing that we don't. And what do ownerships look like? And trying to leverage some of that and trying to leverage off some of the chalk. Like, like I said, if Zeke and Gus are the two highest owned dudes on the slate, then I'm not going to run them probably in the same damn lineup. But what I will do is I'll get off of Gus for, I will get to wide receivers, but a, another 4K pass catcher on the Ravens that I love a lot. Um, or do I go with, say, Connor and Gus? Um, so, I mean, looking at the running back position, I said that I, I like Zeke. I think that he's going to get a ton of work on this one. I do like James Connor, although we do need more news on the Ravens' defensive line to know where I stand. Um, Antonio Gibson is interesting. I know we got the report that he didn't practice, but it wasn't really a practice day, so what the hell do they do with that? I think that depending on what you're running at quarterback and how you're correlating your lineup. Like if you're going with like Gibson and the Washington defense, that makes a ton of sense. Now, if you're going with like pass catchers and the Dallas side and your lineup, do you go McKissick in that one? And you're thinking that Washington plays catch up. You know what I mean? I think like what half of, and this is all a long drawn out way to say that part of what I do with running back this week is going to depend on how I'm correlating my lineups and what I'm looking at from a whole lineup perspective and not just one-off plays or is this guy the highest on? It's a fucking three-gamer, guys. Like, I mean, I don't give a shit if a guy's 70% owned. Like, if he's 70% owned but he's in the winning goddamn lineup, then fine. So be it. That Whatever. Right. You know what 100%. I mean? Like, it, because if if Zeke gets there and every other damn running back fails, yeah, then you're screwed if you didn't play him. Which it doesn't possible, matter if he's seventy percent, right? Right. You know what I mean? It's all about the ownership percentage as a whole of your roster. One hundred percent. Like if, facts. Taysom Hill last week. I, 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 you know, I've been writing my articles on FanDuel, so I wanted to bring a little context to that as well. Like, obviously, everybody played Taysom Hill. It made all the sense in the world. I mean, that's the most obvious example. But you, you, you didn't think twice about that, um, and it didn't matter because you can play Curtis Samuel and these other type of guys, yeah. and and you know, still have a lineup that is super contrarian and can take down a tournament. You can still do that on, on a three game slate, and if a guy goes off, a guy goes off. That's why I'm sitting here saying like Watson going to be my quarterback I could give a shit how high owned he is um, on my main team at least um, Zeke is 8,500 on FanDuel James Conner is 6,700 so just I just find the Conner thing fascinating just because I'm a big Conner fan 14 opportunities per game the last three weeks that's not bell cow usage Zeke's up at 21.7 opportunities per game they just haven't been running the ball that much um, yeah. could, could that right. change 
Absolutely. And so I definitely want some Connor um, for sure, especially if we see that the uh, if Calais Campbell um, and Brandon Williams, is if, the, if they're out again, um, because they could division game, they could switch it up at any time and give James Connor more work because he's still their bell cut back. But in addition to the fact that do they just keep throwing the ball because they're having a lot of success with that? Benny Snell is annoying as fuck. Like I played James Conner last week knowing that Benny Snell was uh, a vulture. He, he had done it multiple times, um, you know, weeks in the past and they did it again. They gave Benny Snell the ball on the mm-hmm. one. So that's just super tilting. If you have James Conner with 90 total yards, but Benny Snell uh, steals the touchdown. So just something to keep in mind. I just don't I'm, forget the Don't forget the sweeps to Claypool too. The sweeps, the sweeps to Claypool, Eric Ebron's scoring all these touchdowns. But I mean, at the end of the day, um, I think it's a, a good play for sure. And and I just wanted to 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 say that that's a perfect point, Debro. No matter what your slate is, it doesn't you, eating the chalk is perfectly fine as long mm-hmm. as your lineup as a whole makes sense yep. from a tournament perspective. Everything should tell a story, of course. Well, yeah. and, and before we move on to like wide receivers and stuff, one point I want to bring up about Duke Johnson. So I I've, I have not played Duke Johnson at all this year and I've not touched him. Neither. The one thing I want to bring up about Duke Johnson, because the more we've sat and we've talked about these plays, and one of the reasons I was off of Duke Johnson last week, and everybody's like, it's a great matchup on the ground game. And I'm like, well, then you should love Deshaun Watson even more. Then, like, if the if the yeah. offensive line can't block for shit, we've mm-hmm. seen that all over this season. We've seen that play out for 11 damn weeks. They can't block for shit. But if the run defense is terrible, then you're looking at wide open lo- running lanes. You're looking at missed tackles. Like, these are reasons why run defenses freaking suck ass. If that's the case, Deshaun Watson doesn't need his offensive line to block for a damn thing. Fact. He's going to take off. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, then – we should love Deshaun Watson even more and Duke Johnson. It's not really, hey, we should love Duke Johnson because Lions suck ass on the ground. We should love Deshaun Watson even more because yeah. they're terrible on the ground. Yeah. Because last week he yeah. outrushed freaking Duke Johnson. Yeah. That could happen again this week, man. Like, yeah. you know, like I want to talk myself into playing Duke Johnson. I just, the more and more we sat here and thought about it, I'm like, haven't we seen enough weeks of like wanting to play a Texans running back and they can't run block for shit and knowing that they're going to fail? And like, if they get at the at the lot at the goal line, then Deshaun Watson's just kind of call his own damn number. Like, at what point are we just like, all right, fine, baby, like that ship has sailed. We got to get off of that. If whatever we feel about on the ground game should flow towards more Deshaun Watson love. Um. I would just push back a little on that from the standpoint that it just goes back to what Matty D said at the beginning. It's a three-game slate. Any running back, yeah. 16.7 opportunities per game over yeah. the last three. And I'm pretty yep. sure that first game, uh, Ryan, you talked about it earlier against the Jags. David Johnson started that game, got hurt. Duke Johnson came in, had a good game, but saw like 20 opportunities and he didn't even start because David Johnson hadn't gotten hurt yet. So that upside is there. Right. And the, the main point is that it's the Lions. Like the Lions are that bad they're a terrible franchise they just scored zero (laughs) points against carolina's good but uh pj walker you know even making some boneheaded interceptions they did nothing like the lions are that bad but that also adds to my excitement for watson because i fucked up i i picked the wrong week last week to go with a single entry and i came close 
And I ended up not playing Watson, even though I loved him because their left tackle was ruled out and Gilmore came back. And it's like, well, let's look at the Patriots uh, pass rush. Does it matter that their left tackle is out? The Patriots have no pass rush whatsoever. Let's look at the Lions pass rush. They've got a couple guys up front, but nothing that scares you. So Watson should have plenty of time to throw the ball. And then, like you said, Debro, he has the the dual threat upside, which is why at the beginning when I was trying to talk, um, the Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, like this, Justin Herbert, this is the new NFL. And Deshaun Watson is right up there as a top five quarterback in the league. He can get you home in so many different ways. That's why I've said multiple times, I don't care what his ownership percentage is. He's my quarterback and I'll get contrarian elsewhere. To my point, on these good running, like these good matchups that we've seen for Duke Johnson, because the Patriots, you can actually run on them, okay? Duke Johnson versus the Jaguars, 41 rushing yards. Duke Johnson versus the New England Patriots, 15 rushing yards. In both of those good running matchups, Deshaun Watson outrushed Duke Johnson, 50 yards. And against the Patriots, Deshaun Watson outrushed Duke Johnson, 36 yards. On only 16 total carries. So... If you love it, you should love Watson more. It's it's because it's a three gamer. I've been with you. I have not been in into Duke Johnson. I've been I was in the David Johnson a little bit and realized that wasn't really that great uh, of a of a of a a goal. Um, But it's a three gamer. But yes, like if Duke Johnson gets home, I will say this: he's like that's why I said earlier it's it's a contrarian stack with Watson because Mm -hmm. he's probably going to either need to catch a touchdown or have at least four for 40 through the air because they just don't run the ball. Like I saw the craziest stat you guys probably all saw it on Twitter that like Watson has accounted for like 89% of the Texans yards, like the last three, like ever since Bill O'Brien got fired, like he is the squad. He is their entire team. He's putting their team shocking. He's putting the Texans on his fucking back. And because of that, it's, it's just such an easy. Yes. If you're making multiple teams. Okay. But he's the obvious quarterback play, and then you you go from there. In my opinion, let me uh, let me hop on the James Conner thing real quick. Uh, something yeah, I, just, I I just looked up because I, you guys made me dig in a little further than I previously had. Uh, so you know we all when we play James Conner, we always think about freaking Benny Snell, freaking Claypool on the end around. So James Conner has had thirty four red zone opportunities, and he has only six touchdowns. Benny Snell has 10 red zone opportunities and has three touchdowns. So he's been very efficient with his touches. And then you've got Claypool has four, four red zone rushing attempts, which are the end arounds, and he's got two touchdowns. So both Claypool and, and Snell have seemingly – it's every time they touch the ball, it's like they score, whereas Connor, every time he touches the ball, he hasn't scored. So I think he's been a bit unlucky in that regard. And I think mm-hmm. it's kind of like Clyde, when we saw Clyde Edward Collier do the same exact thing this just last night. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. So yeah. he's been Yo. getting he's been getting all the opportunity, and it just hasn't worked out. And so I think you know I think Connor I think he's a great play. The problem y'all smell, y'all smell that regression coming? <laughs> I swear to God, I smell something, and it smells like regression. Let's go. I mean, he's he's absolutely do. You said you said something yeah. that surprised me. It surprises me to hear that James Conner has six touchdowns on the year because he hasn't scored in so long. So right. he's absolutely due. The only and the the main reason why I bring it up is because why does Benny Snell have three touchdowns when they get to the one? I don't know why Tomlin's decided this, but when they get to the one, they give it to Snell a lot. But other than that, um, you know, how often is that going to happen? Connor does catch passes. He's absolutely due. 
They're home favorites. They haven't lost a game. There's injuries to the Ravens. So, yeah, I, I'm with you guys. And um, it's such an easy way to fade Zeke on some teams as well. So, yeah, uh, good. Well, I like it. I feel uh, like we're somewhat in lockstep on the running If backs. we get all these I mean, I mean, say, guys, whether or not we get Swift or not, can we just say people will want to play I think Zeke? They don't want to play Connor. Like, no, pe- no, people don't want to no, play Connor. Play exactly. Connor. No, they don't want to. No, I mean, because I, I just played Connor. Play I I just played Connor in the smash spot. Uh, court, you know, stacked him with Steelers D. Steelers D put up seventeen. Connor was like eight percent or twelve percent owned against yep. the Jags of all. Like the you know the Jags who made yes, I know Joe Mixon's not a thing anymore, but before Joe Mixon got hurt, four touchdowns against the Jags. Like this is one of the best spots. And nobody's playing him then. And if, if we, they, we haven't gotten to wide receivers yet, if the if the Steelers wide receivers come in, Maddie, we talked about this previously. If the Steelers wide receivers come in higher on, yep, and yep. nobody wants to fucking play James Conner, and he's ten yep. percent, and the other wide receivers are twenty percent, thirty percent, and if James Conner gets two touchdowns, and they get one, or they fail, or this game yep. gets slow yep. because the Ravens want to play slow. That is what they want to do. Yep. This is how you win three so, gamers. And and that's and that's literally what I did last week. And I, I came close. Um, is it's like, okay, yeah, James Conner isn't getting it like 14 opportunities per game. I would like more. And Benny Snell is is the vulture, but at the end of the day, he is still playing like 69, 70% of the snaps. So rather than trying to play wide receiver roulette, honestly where these guys are going to be popular and Connor probably won't be, you can get a ton of exposure to the Steelers offense and do it in a way that's more predictable as long as that regression hits. And so that's, that's, that's why I loved it last week too, because you can get so much exposure to this game, not necessarily play the roulette or do both and play multiple Steelers. So Dude, I if, you're, if you're playing, like we talked about this, the wide receiver and the flex thing, I'm going to push back on it for a second. James Connor is 6,200. Deontay Johnson is 6,200. Chase Claypool is 6,100. If he carries a third of the ownership versus these guys, yeah. what oh, else? Yeah. Right. Like, how, how do we spell leverage again? How does that word spelled? <laughs> yeah, yeah, if he manages to play actual good players at low ownership instead of shitty players at low ownership. Yep. And Connor's a good player. So don't overthink. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot to do at wide receiver. I mean, and uh, Derek, I'll toss it back to you because I wanted to kind of piggyback off of what you were saying there with with Zeke and just locking him in for the production that you're going to get. And I feel like a lot of people who are doing that, they're going to look at that and say, okay, if I'm playing Zeke, Zeke's in that game script. How can I correlate that? I'm going to correlate it with McLaurin and I can fit him and it's a good matchup for him. So to get leverage off of that spot, you're looking at it. I mean, the three guys are just spelling right there as chalk. I mean, it's Monday, but I can already tell you, Terry McLaurin, Will Fuller, Deontay Johnson, like those are the guys that people are going to want to play at at the spot. Because even with Brandon Cooks being so cheap, Will Fuller, we know what his upside is. Terry McLaurin has been offering that upside, even with Alex Smith out there leading the league in air yards, you know, having the massive A dot. It's been ridiculous. And then Deontay Johnson is Deontay Johnson. And every game that he's been healthy this year, the dude has smashed. And so people are just going to look at those three 
with Kenny Galladay, you know, if he gets rolled out, especially and Juju's rolled out, especially um, and just say, OK, I'm playing these guys and what else can I do? So I wanted to talk to you first because you're playing Zeke. Are you looking at the Terry McLaurin uh, correlation there? And, and granted, we, we're talking here about building multiple teams and not just building one team. And so you can talk about, owner, you know, how your ownership is going to be spurred across across the field field. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done there but i'm curious to see what you're doing at wide receiver this week i mean it comes down to a lot of this like what do your stacks look like and what are you correlating with like what what quarterbacks are you playing with wide receivers that's that's all that comes down to and like how do my mini stacks look like around my main stack and stuff so like yes can i like roll down this like laundry list of like really damn good wide receivers and tell you i'm gonna play mclaurin i'm gonna play fuller do i like deontay johnson and claypool Yes, I like them. Like, how the hell can you not? Um, now, now, picking out certain different plays from games, I think, is is important on are you going to take stands on certain players? Like, not locking them in, but outside of – we're talking about the roulette with, like, Deontay Johnson and Claypool and, and Juju and the whole Steelers thing. And when I was looking at that game, the thing that, like, like stood out to me – and I, I got to pull this up real fast – is that – the last time these two teams met, the Steelers tried to counteract because if you look at the Ravens secondary, we know they're all freaking really damn good corners. The way that the Steelers tried to counteract some of this is they spread them the hell out. They had they ran 36% of their plays. They ran four wide and no running back. So they're trying to pull in another nickel corner running four wide receivers. That's why you see a guy like Ray Ray McLeod get on the field. And so what that does is if you look at what the Ravens have been doing with the cornerbacks, so like two wide receiver sets, you have Marlon Humphreys is on the outside and you have um, Jimmy Smith. Blank- Jimmy Smith. No, nah, it's not. It's Peters. Peters. Jimmy Smith doesn't come on the field unless they're playing three. Hmm. So it, Humphreys and Peters play two wide receiver sets. When they go three, Humphreys, even last week, I went back and looked at it. Hum, when they go three wide receiver sets, Humphreys goes into the slot. And you have Jimmy Smith comes in. So Humphreys rotates between right cornerback and slot cornerback. So if the, the Steelers... I, what they did last time is on 60% of their plays, they either ran three wide receivers or four wide receivers trying to spread these dudes out. So when they go four wide, you have a guy like Terrell Bonds come into the game and they try to pick on him or move wide receivers around to get them off of certain guys. And so Humphreys is a guy we don't want any part of. Like I do not want to mess with that guy. I think that he's either going to see a lot of Juju and he's going to see a lot of Deontay. 
the guy I want to pick on then in that matchup is freaking Marcus Peters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want all yeah. I want a ton of Chase Claypool. He has him on size, he has him on speed. Marcus Peters is like what we saw like tonight. He's like Jamel Dean. He tries to jump routes, he tries to get interceptions. Claypool, Claypool can double move him out of his damn cleats and leave him crying on the fucking field. So I like Claypool in that matchup. I and I, I just never like Marcus Peters, man. He's such a fucking punk. Um Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I like Claypool if I'm picking out one wide receiver for the Steelers that I really, really want and looking at what the Steelers did to try to counteract the Baltimore pass defense. But just going down the line, man, I mean, I could tell you, like, I, you know, in, in spreading some love about Dallas and stuff like that, like, I'm not worried about Kendall Fuller has been beat. He started off the year playing extremely, extremely well. But if you look over the last few weeks, that dude's been able to get beat. Like since week six, he's had 27 targets. He's allowed 16 receptions and a 104 pass rating. And he's given up three receiving touchdowns. So that's a big reason why I was on T. Higgins last week. Now with all the Burrow injury and stuff like that, we didn't see any of that come to fruition. But I'm willing to go back there. And we know the deep targets. I think Gallup's going to see him a good bit. It does give me, because nobody wants to play freaking Michael Gallup. You know, I, I do have some interest in Michael I played him last week too, man, and and, and I'm going to go back to that well because I think that he's one of the guys that if people are looking at Dallas, they're going to think of Amari, they're going to think of Lamb, and for good reason. But I think there are ways you can you can correlate, you can get Gallup in there, and if he goes off, he, we know his role is the deep deep role in this offense. If he's going to see Fuller, and Fuller's been able to get beat, I like him. And we talked about, uh, at least we mentioned Marquise Brown. The guy that I want to bring up here in that matchup, we saw him go off last time. And the way that you attack the Steelers is either with one of two things. They're secondary. It's either with deep speed and Marquise Brown. Just him and Lamar have not been able to hook up this year. Okay, so I'm not really relying on that. But the guy that nobody wants to play, he's the exact same price as Marquise Brown as Willie Sneed. And you look at every single matchup that Baltimore has had against teams that struggle versus the slot. Okay, so we go back to New England. Willie Sneed had 64 and two touchdowns. Jonathan Jones has been god-awful on the slot for the Patriots. You go back to this Pittsburgh game. It doesn't matter whether – because Mike Hilton came back. Him and Cameron Sutton in the slot are fucking terrible. He had 106 receiving yards in the last time these these two teams played. That's not a freaking apparition because in teams where they played like good teams that are that actually suck versus the slot, uh, you go. At, he didn't do anything versus Philly, nothing versus Cincinnati or Washington. You go back to Kansas City. Tyron Matthew is really damn good. Now Houston, fine, I'll take the L on that one. But Cleveland, Kevin Johnson, Ke- like the Browns started off this season struggling versus slot wide receivers, 64 and a touchdown. Willie Sneed is not a guy that anybody wants to freaking pick and, and, and put in their lineup. But you look at the last few weeks, it's not Marquise that's getting the run. Willie Sneed has seven targets, seven targets, four targets, seven targets. And a guy that as 4,300, if people are going to go to Marquise for the perceived upside and still ride that train, I'm just going to play Willie Sneed, man. And he's, again, if he comes in at 10%, 20% versus Gus Edwards, who is going to be 4K. And if people, if he's rostered 50 or 60% and he's the uber mega chalk, Willie Sneed at 4,300, if he goes for 100 or he gets 100 and a touchdown, then he's the leverage play. 
I love it because I feel like I needed someone to talk me into it. But I already said it earlier that to me, like one of the most underrated offensive injuries this entire year is going to be Nick Boyle just because of how the Ravens run their offense and where Lamar Jackson likes to throw the ball. Willie Sneed popped up multiple times last year when they were balling. He's popped popped up multiple times this year. He played on more snaps last week than Marquise Brown. He has six targets per game over the last three. Marquise Brown has five. So, I mean, Sneed, you know, for the low ownership and the, the cheap play, you're you're kind of getting a wide receiver 1B-ish, um, which, which is pretty crazy. So, I do like that. Um, well, second on the team in red zone targets, too, behind Andrews. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah. Now that Boyle's gone, they – Boyles was yep. Boyle was third with four. Yeah, they were throwing. They, they yep. like to throw their tight ends in the red zone with only one. I mean, it, it makes Mark Andrews more interesting too. But with only one tight end there now, Sneed's probably going to get more of that work. Yeah, I mean you, they're forced you into attack that secondary. Right? You attack that secondary via the slot, or you attack them with deep because up until I want to say it was prior to these last two weeks, they were twenty fifth in explosive pass rate allowed. So you can beat Steve Nelson. We saw what Darius Slayton beat his ass like in the first few weeks. They've been beat. Will Fuller beat him for a long touchdown. And, hell, Miles Boykin got him for a touchdown in the first game. So, And, and now they're not playing Boykin. They're playing Des Bryant. So I, I guess <laughs> I, I alluded to it earlier. I just yeah. had, like, it's it legit shocked me that Des Bryant played on 54% of the snaps. And he had five targets last week. So if he throws up the X on Thursday night, I'm just going to say I won't be shocked. I will not be shocked. He, he got, got, he got some, down to the practice squad. Mm. Oh, he got sent back down. Yeah. Oh, they could well, put they could pull him back up. What is it? One more time before they yeah, have to they sign get him? Two times. Two, free. two, right? Yeah, two free. It's still so, possible that they could bring him back, uh, back up by Thursday. But as of right now, yeah. send him back down to the practice squad. Interesting. So, well, before we turn on the mics, uh, okay. before we move on, I, I don't want to hog this, but there's one guy, and I got to get him up in here because we talked about him before we turned the mics on. So. I'm, I'm going to forget about him if I don't bring him up real fast. If Danny Amendola is out this week, I'm still I, – I, I'm in on Jamal Agnew. I, I like him. He's going to have the slot role for Detroit. Now, we got to monitor practice reports, coach speak, all that kind of good stuff before the Thursday game. But the reason I bring him up is he ran 85% of his uh, snaps out of the slot last week. Houston is 32nd against short passing. Murray it, that ha, is the one of their safeties who's been covering the slot. He has been really, really bad this year. 39 uh, targets, 32 receptions, two touchdowns, and a 124 passer rating. It, Agnew is not a guy that I think – I mean, he is legit men price. He is 3K. He saw six targets last week. If he sees six to seven targets, if he gets 40 yards and finds the end zone at 3K as a guy that's not going to be played – if it allows me to play all the dudes, I'm in on it. And I will just piggyback off that. Um, I I honestly didn't think that uh, Amendola and Galladay were practicing, but it looks like they both practiced limited today. Mm. If they if they come back, I I want exposure to both of them. And we just kind of talked about mm-hmm. Willie Sneed. I mean, who's the Willie Sneed OG? That's Danny Amendola. Players coming back from injury are always low owned. People recency bias. People forget. I've already talked about. I want exposure to Stafford. Um, you have to think about the thumb injury. So he might be throwing short, which we would love DeAndre Swift if he comes back because they're just going to target him a bunch, you would think. But it could be the same situation for Amendola. No one will want to play this dude. Amendola um, has had multiple, you know, seven for 70 type games. On DraftKings, that gets you home even if he doesn't. He doesn't score touchdowns. But, you know, throughout the years, Stafford with Golden Tate, 
has proven that he loves to throw to the slot. So whether it's Agnew, so trust me, Debro, I've written that down, um, or uh, Amendola comes back, I'm definitely looking at that. And then just from a wide receiver standpoint, the last thing I just got to say real quick is that um, I don't really care what the matchup is for Deontay Johnson. The dude is incredible. 12.3 targets per game over the last three now that he's staying healthy. Um, I love Juju, but I think Deontay Johnson is their wide receiver one. He's just so good. Uh, and I'm obviously going to continue to want to get exposure to that. Yeah, he's he's been incredible. I mean, the numbers just speak for themselves. And like you're saying, I mean, at a position that uh, you're, you're just – I'm looking at the wide receiver position here. And I mean, can we just lock in the guys who are going to give us like close to 30 point upside? I mean, I mean, really, I mean, I, I, you know, again, we want to correlate our lineups and we want to, you know, definitely have teams, especially, you know, you're talking about Swift being out. If you can build teams that have both Zeke and Connor, like go for it and build with Kuti, build with Agnew. If you're, if you're playing in that regard, but I'm looking at Deontay Johnson and I, and I, Definitely, it'll be interesting to see what what Juju, if he gets ruled out for this game, you know, that's going to split people on Claypool and Deontay. People will try and talk themselves into a scenario where Claypool is the better play because of maybe the red zone role or because he, you know, he's running and Deontay, all he does is catch passes. And if he he doesn't find the end zone, am I going to be disappointed? But he's just been so good. It just speaks for himself. And speaks for itself and he has a rapport with Ben you gotta love that he he's just he's matchup proof so I love that especially with them being the same price if, if Juju's getting ruled out that could be interesting um what just before we move on real quick here I just wanted to touch on like if Kenny Galladay is ruled in how yeah. are you guys He'll be in my main lineup if he's playing. Ready. I'm playing. Okay, him. he will Play be in him. my main. He will be in my main lineup if. Wow, he's that, that's that's scary. Kev, that's are you gonna play him? Are you playing? Are you playing him too? Because that would probably be the first time everybody agreed on a podcast. But yeah, heck yeah, fuck yeah, I'm playing. Why, why, <laughs> damn it! Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! I thought you were pulling out the body bag, Kev. I mean, they have no reason to hold him or no reason to play him if he's even questionably yep. limited, right? Right. They're so, right? they're so awful, and there's no reason. Yeah, yeah. The, and the, I think the only people, question you know, is the thumb for Stafford. That's it. Yeah, yeah. the thumb for I think it's trifecta. So you got the you got the thumb for Stafford. You got Galladay coming off of injury, and you got Bradley Roby. So I think those three things people will talk and themselves into the scenario. Bradley Roby and Vernon Hardays of hot trash, man. Yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm all that smoke. I'm not worried about those, that. Those uh, no, people that are people. like, Bradley Roby shadows. And I was like, that's fucking fantastic. And <laughs> no. I know he's on the wide receiver one. Let's go. Did, did you guys, you guys saw Davis Maddock, uh, the stick where he's just reading off every cornerback matchup, right? I was dying because that's the funniest shit. Like, there's only so many situations where you need to pay attention to and Bradley Roby's not one of them and <laughs> per Kenny Galladay's Instagram his hip definitely looks fine so <laughs> oh I saw that hey, hey. he didn't go there that's so funny oh man his hip looks good uh, he's in my main lineup 100% if he, he's so back funny. he will be low owned he's been hurt he's been out when he came back from injury last time this dude all he does is ball out um, he'll be it's in my lineup yep. for sure yeah, it yeah, is no, entirely I- too cheap I mean he's 6k 
the thing about this slate, this uh, entirety of this slate, is that you can pretty much play all the dudes. Like yeah. you don't really have to make any concessions. Right. right. Uh, maybe maybe yep. one concession here pl- played out of defense and just play all the dudes. Like they, they didn't price these guys up to a point where you have to make true <laughs> true decisions. But I think that also makes things a little bit more interesting with this slate because I think you're going to see a much more different builds because you can kind of play everybody, and I think you can get you can get a little bit different in certain other areas. But Kenny Galladay right. certainly fucking isn't one of them. Like he should be locked in and into your lineups uh, because the dude is a baller. It's a great fucking matchup. Like and we know that if he's out there, he's got to 10 to 15 targets. He's got to see the deep targets. Like it, you and just, there's no way like he's 100% in lineups. Like you just don't Stafford, even Stafford would definitely love to have him back. I know that for 100%. And, just from the FanDuel aspect real quick, Galladay's more expensive. He's 7,000. I don't care. I'm still playing him. And just to kind of like I – don't, I don't know if you guys agree with this or not, but especially on FanDuel, Terry McLaurin is actually the most expensive wide receiver, 7,900. He's obviously a better DraftKings receiver than FanDuel receiver because he plays with Alex Smith. So because right. of that, um, you know – I obviously want to have some McLaurin, but on FanDuel, it's really easy to fade him, especially with these other spots in the Steelers wide receivers, because like, I love Alex Smith, but come on, he's not like you, you said it earlier, Ryan, and it just, you know, it triggered siren in my head. Like I want to target 30 point uh, upside wide receivers and McLaurin can get you 20 and that still might get home, but I don't, I don't see him as having the same amount of upside as Cooks, Fuller, Galladay in the best game, Deontay, Claypool, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I think well, some you of said the, he's the most expensive one. He's the most expensive. I literally so that, that, that comes into ownership for me because if people are going to say the same thing and they're like, well, I don't want to pay for McLaurin, then I'll have more interest. But he's it depends. He's expensive on DraftKings too. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, but draft, he's, a, he's definitely a better. He's a better play on DraftKings. But, but DraftKings is all. And he's a hundred yard bonus too. I mean, he's he's so good. He's DraftKings draft pricing is all flaccid this week. Right, so, I, mean, I know it, you like you know. the the narrative street. Uh, McLaurin needs one hundred and twenty nine receiving yards to be the first wide receiver to hit a, a thousand yards this year. Oh, let's go! Oh my God, yeah, let's yes, go! So there you I go. thought you were gonna say it was his birthday or something, man. I, I mean, yeah, I, don't, I don't care about the Juju birthday not paying off. He got hurt, whatever, whatever. <laughs> send me all the narrative. Send me he all the hurt. birthdays. He got hurt like, like the last drive of the game or something like that. He got fucking <laughs> yeah. hurt. Like that had something to do with it. That flag, man. No, that flag got man. him. It, it jumped up and bit him. It was late, they, late in the hey, game. They got the touchdown and they blew the candles for him and the shit and then so he's chilling. And he he's definitely going to be back this week. Like he's he's definitely going to play. They they already said that uh, had the had it had it been a meaningful game and it was close that he would have went back out on the field. So uh, I mean that's just precaution. So he's definitely going to play, but I don't want to be part of him. How do you list that injury? Just like Juju DMP parentheses flag. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like what the, the fuck is that, man? Like damn, that's some oh, Anthony Davis crazy. shit. It's yeah, so oh bad, man. Hey, don't, hey, don't do that to oh them. Don't do that. Oh. Don't put them in that situation. Hey, at least the flag didn't get him in the eye that. like that Cleveland. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking oh, yeah. about it the whole time, and I didn't say nothing, but I've been thinking about it too, if, man. If that yeah. guy didn't go to the hospital, he would have lost his eye. You know that shit? Oh, man. Who's, no, I did not know that. 
Well, uh, what are you guys doing with the with the with the Houston wide receivers? Do, or would you rather play Fuller or would you rather play Cooks? Because I feel like Cooks is going to have higher ownership because he's a hell of a lot cheaper. He's I want Fuller versus this yeah, four hundred or Fuller. Fuller. And I, oh, definitely I want, want them both. Uh, I just want to be different, whichever one's lower owned. I want, I want whichever can... one's lower owned too, which is probably I, I, I okay. So I'm going to give a different take. I don't give two shits. I'm playing Fuller. I love Fuller. I love Fuller. Do, don't you see Fuller this? is going to play against Trufant, and then he's going to roll into the slot some against Justin Coleman. Give me all that. He's he's Fuller. going the fuck off. He's fifty yeah. yard touchdown at least. Yeah. Fuller like, was oh punking Stephon yeah. Gilmore last week, and it was <laughs> hilarious, man. So yes, like can he beat Trufant at dusty ass into the ground? Yeah, it's going to happen. But Cooks, like, and I've never really been a Cooks guy. Like Cooks is with the right quarterback. I want him well, both. man. I'm, yeah. I'm my my main team will be the double. You can stack. even play all three. I, I love the idea of playing all three. Like, yeah. we've yeah. seen, like, I remember playing when they used to have the shout out primetime slates, but when they used to have primetime slates yeah. Sunday yeah. night, Monday night, I remember like <laughs> the, the, the Packers game, whatever yeah. it was. I can't remember how many years ago, but that one always stands out to me. Like, Rogers threw for like yep. 350 yards and four tutties. And the optimal on a two-game slate had four pass catchers with him, and I was like, "It just it makes so much sense because there's so many yards and touchdowns to go around that everybody." Maddie, Maddie, last week we were all talking about not last week, but the week before. And even Herbert last week, but but even before that, we were all talking about which Steelers wide receiver did you play versus the Bengals, and it was the answer was just yes. All of them. The answer was just yes. Yeah, I was gonna say you can you can you can do this shit on the main site. I mean, I I finished sixteenth out of three thousand yeah. people with the uh, I know. But D-Bro, this is you how you get it. different. You with don't Mah- go two baskets; you go three. Exactly. Yeah. I, I went with the I went with the Mahomes triple stack against the Jets, and it almost took me home. And that was on the main slate, so yeah. you can you can absolutely yeah. do it. And that's how you get different. My main one that I'm just gravitating to right off the bat is Watson, Wolfuller, Cooks, and then Aikens. I, I love mean, it. Dude, so we can roll right in the tight end because Aikens is really exciting to me. Yeah, 2,900 yeah, 20, on DraftKings. <laughs> oh, my God. See, I'm playing both Let's sides. Let's talk about it. And, and, you know, you start to get to your builds, right? And I was just playing around with builds. And, and actually with that, what we're talking about, taking Watson, taking Fuller, playing around with Cooks or another wide receiver in that range, playing a Steelers receiver. And then you get into your flex and your, and your tight end. And, you know, I threw in the Dallas defense just to throw them in their 2800, I think, or whatever. And you start to get into these situations where, okay, like at tight end, your builds are leading you to playing Hawkinson, leading you to playing Ebron, leading you to playing Schultz or Logan Thomas. If you can't get to five, two, uh, Mark Andrews, which Mark Andrews is on the injury report. I think that needs to be said. I didn't even uh, look at this until we're, you know, breaking down the slate and I'm going through the the logs here, but it looks like he had a thigh injury. DraftKings's report in the blurb is that he had a thigh injury going into the Cincinnati game in week five, still played, actually had a, a good game in that, in that game, put up 17.6 uh, for DraftKings. So if he's, you know, going to be questionable or whatever, that's, that's kind of interesting um, against Pittsburgh. Because uh, the one will scare people off there, but we know the the usage is absurd. I mean, the dude is going to see passes if he's on the field. And so you got T- Hawkinson, who's now dealing with another injury. He's got a shoulder now. He had the toe. And how frustrating has he been? And he's been like the most consistent tight end all year, I feel like. He's consistently putting up double-digit points on draft. They just don't I use mean, him a ton, though. It doesn't make any sense. Like, he plays, like, they, 60% of the snaps, and he'll be chalky. Like, on a three-game right. slate, my favorite thing to do with tight end is get a little crazy because it's the it's the position that sucks anyway. Now, could Mark Andrews come out and catch two touchdowns and, and, and kill me? 
<laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's go. Let's uh, go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. Ex- exactly. Exactly. Um, so I just like to get a little, little uh, nutty and it makes sense if I love Watson, I'll just like Aikens came back from Well, first of all, I think he's good. Um, he caught a touchdown in week one. He gets injured early. He comes back. I think he's been back for three games, played 51% of the snaps last week. Uh, in all three games he's been back, he's out targeted Fells. And we, you know, people, Fells is winning people a lot of money there for a couple of weeks. So, yes, right. both, both touchdowns go. Yeah, both touchdowns go to the slot wide receivers last week, which could happen again. Kiki QT is absolutely in play. But if one goes to the tight end, it's probably going to be Aikens. He should be pretty low owned, 3.7 targets over the last three weeks, which is fine for tight ends. I mean, um, TJ Hawkinson has 6.3 over the last three. I, that's not that different, especially if some of the guys are coming back. So, yeah, and if you're if you're playing Watson too, I mean, how do you not talk your? You know, granted, I pl- I play a lot of lineups. I will be playing a lot of lineups on Thanksgiving, but I know Maddie, you're you're more of like the the three max really tight builds that you want to get to. Um, but if you're playing Watson teams, especially on this week, it's all about correlation. It's all about pairings, and I don't see how you can't talk yourself into a way of getting Aikens on a roster that has Watson on it because of what we're talking about here. I mean, even with Hawkinson, you know, he's seeing targets of seven, eight. 10 uh, in three of his past four games. But if he doesn't score there, you're already, you know, a little bit behind. And if Aikens is able, I mean, how many times have we seen Aikens take like a big 30 yarder to the house or just some 40 yarder to the house, something ridiculous because they just fall into these situations like that. And you're looking at this Detroit team, like across the middle, that doesn't really scare you at all. Fels has actually lost snaps to uh, Farrell Brown over the past couple of weeks too. So I don't even think Fells is really like that in play unless all you're hoping for is a short touchdown. He's not going to really be utilized, I feel like, outside of outside of the 20. So um, it, it does make for interesting builds because, you know, I think people will look at Hawkinson and they'll say, okay, I want exposure to that game. How can I get it? Oh, I'll play Hawkinson on Detroit side. Uh, I want exposure to the Baltimore-Pittsburgh game. And outside of Deontay, I really don't like anybody else. But, oh, here's Mark Andrews at 5,200 at tight end. That's ugly. I'll play him. Uh, oh, I'm not playing a Steelers receiver, but I want exposure. I'll play Ebron, who just scored last week. So there's so many we should, ways we should, that we people... Should be playing, we should be playing Ebron. Ebron, Ebron is, is a really good play. Ebron is a yeah. good play. Ebron's a good player. I, I, and, I'm, and I'm fine with that. But at, at a tight end position where you're talking about Ebron is 4,100. And as, as tight as salary is this week, like when you're paying for him over guys like Logan Thomas and, and Jordan Akins, that it really does mean that you, you are banking on a touchdown from Ebron. And I just... I just feel like it could get into a you could get yourself into a situation where Ebron could go out there and maybe he catches a couple passes for, you know, 40, 50 yards and he doesn't score. And that just might not be enough um, to to win you it. But if you're playing Ben Roethlisberger lines, like sure, throw in Ebron. But I, I really just think that you want to correlate the tight end position with your court with your quarterback and just go from there. Like, I, I think there's going to be a lot of say it again. Um, I was just going to say, I definitely, I mean, I, I 100% agree, but I also think you can play tight end naked. Um, Wash, I, you know, I've talked about not really loving Washington and Dallas. Logan Thomas did run 
playing 90% of the snaps last week. He's getting the targets, okay? So it just depends on – I think what, whoever your tight end is, you're probably going to need him to score uh, to pay off in a big way unless tight end's just a complete dumpster fire, which adds fuel to the Jordan Aikens fire. Um, but Thomas, 5.3 targets over the last three games. And then my whole kind of rant about how James Conner allows you to not play the wide receiver roulette with Pittsburgh in a way, Dalton Schultz kind of allows you to do that with Dallas and say, I'm not going to try to figure out which wide receiver is going to hit. Oh, Dalton Schultz yeah. is playing 90% of the snaps, and he's seen seven targets per game over the last three, which, by the way, is more than both Amari and CeeDee Lamb. So I, I could see a tight end in that game getting home and, you know, me just having the only exposure in that game other than Washington D, which I'll probably be pretty heavy on as I've talked about um, having a tight end <laughs> in that game as well. Like, I, I, feel like I, I feel like just playing Aikens is like trying to get too cute, like where you don't have to play a really? $2,900 wide receiver, uh, tight end. Uh, yes. I just like, I just think there's, there, there's, there's better plays like Mark Andrews for sure. 100%. Like, and he's going to carry the most ownership and, and I get that. He's probably going to be, 50 to 60 percent owned because again this slate is not a, a slate where you have to make those concessions where you have to like man okay i gotta pay down at tight end because i want to get these guys in like you can pretty much for the most part play who you want to play and not really have to make that concession like i get akins like and and so it makes a little bit of sense but again mark andrews i, I eric ebron terrific play in my book at 4100 like he's certainly getting the targets uh he did really well in the, the spot the last time they played four for 48 and a touchdown um he's certainly somebody they look for in the red zone dalton schultz was the other guy that i was going to mention um if you're if you're wanting to talk about the the you know the the two teams that uh struggle the most i guess on this entire slate against tight ends it is washington um and then the other one is baltimore are the two teams that that struggle a little bit against tight ends um it's not a huge disparity between the others, but there's not like a an absolute like oh my god like you know, we we got to play a tight end against this team on this slate uh, right. and, and this group there's of, not. Uh, group of guys, which is why I think it's okay you can yeah. play Jordan Akins at twenty nine hundred. Yeah. So the key to tight end is your guy is going to have to catch a touchdown. Yeah, because they're they're not they're necessarily, no, but not necessarily because uh, Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews could go for six. Mark for Andrews never goes for right. hundred yards. So I'll, I'll throw this ever, out here right ever, now. Ever. I, please, I, please look up the last time Mark Andrews went over 100 yards and report back. I, I'm I'm actually going to full fade Mark Andrews, and y'all can hate on me all want all you want. I don't Pittsburgh, hate that. I don't hate Pittsburgh that at all. is, and we're talking about DVOA. We talk about these rankings, and we talk about you know shading the middle and, and getting too much into it. Pittsburgh is first, first in DVOA versus the tight end. You want to know three three last games that Mark Andrews has played versus the Steelers? Three for 32, five for 45. Four for 39, zero damn touchdowns. I want no Mark Andrews. If I'm making a stand on this slate, I will not play Mark Andrews, period. And look, look, two of the stands I'm making on this slate are, I just don't think Ezekiel Elliott is that good. I think he's an above average running back. I don't think he's incredible. (laughs) And I just don't think Lamar Jackson this year is all that good of a quarterback. So that doesn't help Mark Andrews. And so – I do, I do definitely want to push back on the Jordan Akins being cute thing because I, I definitely disagree with that because it's kind of two of the things I'm most passionate about with DFS correlating and colliding together. One is that in smash spots, in best games, in fantastic matchups, especially when you love the quarterback, every single pass catcher for that team and that quarterback get elevated. We know that Jordan Akins is the starting tight end for the Texans, and it correlates and collides with the fact that 
he came back from injury not that long ago. So a lot of people are sleeping and not realizing that. And so when you can combine both of those two things together, he's super cheap. He'll be low owned. He is the starting tight end for the Texans. You can look at it as usage, playing time, targets, everything. Um, I definitely don't think it's getting cute at all. I actually think it's a super savvy tournament play. Now, if we're talking about cash, we can change the story. But we never talk about cash. We're not <laughs> talking about cash. We're only playing <laughs> tournaments on a three-game slate. So I think he makes all the sense in the world right. um, and is not getting cute at all. Who's going to be higher on, Kiki Kuti or Jordan Akins? Kiki Kuti, because the news just so So Akins is your leverage if you're correlating it with a third pass catcher or even a second pass catcher with him. The one thing I want to bring up about Akins is my position, too. My favorite favorite three tight ends on this slate are Dalton Schultz, Logan Thomas, and Jordan Akins, not necessarily in that order. You Mm -hmm. have Dallas and Washington is amazing for tight end. Both of them are 30th and 31st ranked in DVOA versus tight ends. Dallas has been – Terrible versus tight ends. Logan Thomas, people will, will look, and, and if I were to rank things, I, I, I actually like Dalton Schultz the most out of this one. Washington is terrible versus the tight end position. He got three red zone targets last week with Andy Dalton. I think that he's going to catch a touchdown this week. I think the matchup is there. I think if people are going to pick between him and Logan Thomas, people are going to go to Logan Thomas because Dalton Schultz is not a sexy name. People are going to look at Logan Thomas's game log, and they're going to say, we got 60 in the touchdown last time they played, so let's mm. go. And honestly, I would much rather play Dalton Schultz or I'd rather play Jordan Akins. And the reason for Akins, dude's running 50% of his routes out of the slot. If Kuti is going to go out of the slot, if I talk about we like uh, the matchup against Justin Coleman and Akins is coming off an 80 yard game. People are going to say, well, it's probably fluky. I'm more likely to lean into that. Look at the slot matchup. And I, I I'm going to go in on Akins here. And I, yeah, well, I, I just think Derek too. And, and talking about those three tight end, I mean, they're, they're all, Cheap enough to where you're feeling comfortable with them. I mean, it, people are going to play Andrews, Hawkinson, and Ebron over any right. of those three. That people are yeah, going mean, to click so, those other ones. As long as yeah, your guy so, catches a touchdown, I don't think it matters who you yeah. play. Right. And so, Schultz and Ebron for me come down. You know, they're three hundred around. So, I, that, yeah, that that is fair. And I think both of them, you know, probably have the same amount of 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 chance you know, in a vacuum of catching a touchdown. Uh, but I, I, that's why I was talking about the beginning. Like it's kept talking about like playing Aikens off of Deshaun Watson teams is not really, I don't like that at all. I, because you're what you're, what you're hoping for there is to get the correlated points of him scoring that touchdown. And that then in turn helping Watson and him throwing, you know, to other players who, who you might have, or, or maybe you don't, but I just don't see a way where we're looking at a lineup that says, Oh, wow. They just played Jordan Akins in that team. He got two touchdowns and nobody else. It's correlated really with a running back for, on, for Detroit. Houston. Correlate him with a running back for Detroit. That's an easy way to sit here and correlate yeah, him with Mindy Sacker. I get what Ryan's you, saying, have, though. It's, it's but I get it. Swift. I get it. If you have it's Swift. hard for Will Fuller to bust two and Brandon Cooks to bust two, and all these Houston guys are going to bust except for Aikens, that it feels thin. Yeah, I, I, get, I, get, I get what Ryan's saying. And, like, 2,900, yes, it feels cheap. Like, if we were on a main slate, that would be cheap, and I'd be looking at that as a one-off spot. But when the other tight ends are only 1K more um, – and like you can play an Ebron as a one-off, and there's a chance that right. Ben Ben only throws one or two touchdowns. But uh, Watson against the Lions, like I guess he could run 
two touchdowns in and only throw for two touchdowns. And then Aikens gets there as a one-off that way. But, but at that point you want Watson anyways, because Watson ran for two touchdowns at that point. So I, I get what Ryan's saying that Aikens does feel a bit thin as, as a one-off because if Aikens does smash, the odds that Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, and QT don't smash are very small. Yeah. And that you who, would who do we think, yeah, but outside of Andrews, who do we think has the highest ceiling out of this tight end group? Because you're looking at Hawkinson. You think so? I don't not I mean, ceiling. With, 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 with his yes, with, 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 with his red zone with his red zone know. usage that he gets. I mean, just to say I, that he couldn't catch two that. touchdowns on, on this game. I get that. Yeah. He doesn't have to go out and yeah. have five for hundred and two touchdowns. Like yeah. I mean, he could easily just get bring in two touchdowns. He could go right. two touchdowns would be the optimal. Yep. Yeah. If he goes fifty yards or forty yards and two touchdowns, 100%. then he's he's the optimal tight end. Yeah. And, I, and for all the reasons I talked about the Texans have been known to have problems with tight ends. I mean, we've seen years and years. What was it last year? Like Kelsey, like they put like basically like they try to bracket the dude. They try to do everything they could and they could not stop the tight end position. So, yeah, I I was going to fight back with you about that, Kevin. But, no, I, I agree with you. I, I, I like the hot call. I legitimately believe Jordan Akins has the second most upside. Um, wow. Just, but see, you know, but see, everything I've already just – you're point chasing, though. I mean, I, I feel like because if you look at the two weeks prior to that, he ran 28% of the snaps, 44% of the snaps. He is trending up, but he still only ran eight routes, 12 routes, and he saw four and one target. Like, he was last week an anomaly? Or are you are you chasing the points of what happened well, last go, week? Go back but to Cobb the beginning of the season, Kev. What are you talking about? But like, Darren Fells the... was out. Darren Fells was out for some of that, whenever he was, whenever he was okay. really popping. But oh, was he? Regardless, yes. But regardless, like, I get it, right? Um but now we like, have Cobb out. You know, the, these things will right. start to factor in. You have Cobb right. out. You have Stair that's questionable. So more, the, you know, right, that but, will right, then but, in turn. But it, it's an in-game situation, else. right? And so, like, they were th- thrusting someone. And now it is a Thursday night. I'm just Fels saying, like, I year, feel like yeah. that's uh, some of this stuff. What? Fells hasn't missed a game all year. And in Jordan Aiken's first th- uh, two games before, well, first three games, 81%, 83%, 68% of the offensive snaps. I think Fels definitely missed prior, the first couple of weeks of the season. Fels played 42%, 41%, 51% in those first three games. With Aikens missed a uh, – what was it? Uh, it wasn't yeah, concussion. Was was it a hamstring? He missed a long stretch it was there. Like four games. Or yeah, it was a concussion, concussion, I thought. Con- concussion. Yeah, concussion. Yeah, he had an ankle injury too. That's what it was. He, it was missed, something on top he of missed three games. and he, three, So basically yeah. four. Yeah. And Fels was, Fels was doing all right when he was out. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I agree, Ben, that he has the next highest ceiling. And I, I think that Hawkinson and Ebron and, both have the same kind of ceiling. I, I just – Ebron which, has the me just says that they neither one of them has the ceiling that Andrews has. Um, and you know, you're looking at Hawkinson, who's but Andrews' ceiling comes from two touchdowns. If you go back and look at every 20 point game that Andrews has, it's he caught two touchdowns. He never, right. he he's not Kelsey, he's not Waller, he's not uh Kittle who can go out there and go for 100 yards. His value comes from touchdowns, and I agree with Derek. Right. I, like, even if he catches one, I'm not sure that he burns me because of the, the matchup. Like, What's he go for? He just, four, he just got he just one. got one he just got one touchdown last week and got twenty against Tennessee. Okay, so re- Tennessee is terrible for the tight end. That's a totally different <laughs> conversation. But I was all in on Andrews last week. I am not on that yeah. boat this week. Like no. all his right. other game logs outside of last week, because that that is a you did. Uh, call Who else did they throw into though? 
Who else are they going to throw the ball to in Baltimore? Like, he's, he, he legitimately has Gus 15 Edward. target upside, right? But do they want to yeah. throw the yeah. ball at all is the other point. Like, they don't I understand that. Like, yeah. Of course, of course they yeah. don't want to run the football. Of course, they want to run the football. We know that's what they want to do. But but okay. if, the game, if the game flow and the game situation does not turn out that way and they get behind early, yeah. they're not going to be able to run points. the football. So they who is going to – Lamar can just suck ass throwing the football like he's done all year. Like, yeah, he could, I mean, how many times do we see the Ravens, the Ravens get down right. by 14? They lose. Or they just throw, or, or like we're talking about, they just throw to Willie Sneed. Yeah. they The Ravens oh, are horrible when they're down by multiple scores. The Willie Sneed call. I, 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 Dude, I'm not, just I telling you. Like, it, look at his game logs. I, I shit you not I, with I love everything. The conversation. Everything that I've said about Aikens, I had no idea that he had 83 receiving yards last week. I didn't even know that. Like, yeah. out of all the but, tight ends on this slate. Fast catching tight end. For, for, well, dude, the, the thing the, about it is that the Texans have been so sneaky. Like, if you look at, like, their tight end production, if we could just roll it into one dude, which we've had at certain points of the year. Like, Fell started off the year, so he had 223 and 1. Uh, not, nothing versus Pittsburgh. But then if you go – you fast forward, Jacksonville has been a great spot for tight ends, 57 and 1. Tennessee, 85 and 1. And then, I mean – we have Aikens sprinkling in production there as well. Yeah. Like it, it's like if we get the guy for Houston for the tight end, there's been some pretty damn good production and, over the, and, all the year. And Aikens caught all seven of his targets in week two. Fells went off when Aikens was gone. Aikens mm-hmm. comes back. He has. I'm just saying that to me, out of all six tight ends, Fells has the highest receiving yardage upside to me. And so, I mean, how are we going to predict? You mean the Aikens? Touchdowns? Aiken, yeah, Aiken, sorry, yeah. Aiken. Yeah, 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 yeah. no, I just, I just um, want to make sure. So, yeah, Aiken. So, I think I agree from a yardage perspective. And and if he finds the end zone, and we, we're yeah, talking about seven for eighty three and a touchdown, well, we're looking at but but the most touchdown spot. equity goes with Hawkinson, correct? Because I agree with Kev on that one. Yeah, I think his I think yeah. his red zone role, yeah. his red zone role. It, if you look at it, and I haven't looked at it since last week and stuff, dude was legit like near the top 10 of red zone targets, end zone targets in the entire NFL. Like it did not matter the freaking mm-hmm. position. Okay, so, so I did not know so that. I feel like Hawkins they throw to so uh, many weeks and he's Matt Stafford's thrown an interception multiple weeks. They throw to Jesse to James. Throwing to Hawkinson. He's yeah, thrown to Jesse James. He's missed him wide open in the end zone. It's such a frustrating thing, but he, yeah, he is he is seeing a, a role, and we'll have to monitor what his yeah. what his health status is going into that game, and Andrews <laughs> to a certain extent, and Galladay's to a certain extent for uh, Hawkinson as well. T.J. Hawkinson is tied for tenth in red zone targets on the season with eleven. Wow, Hawkinson's that's definitely that's a tight end like for everybody. 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 Like that's eleven. The only people above him are Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Mike Evans, Travis Kelsey, Adam Thielen, Jimmy Graham, Tyreek Hill, Jonu Smith, Alvin Ridley, and he is tied with a slew of dudes at eleven. Hawkinson's a good play. It's just, yeah, he's he has a, he's the most touchdown play. equity. I'm I, not going to fight. I that think I, I think I like Hawkinson more as a one-off and Aikens more as a a stack with as a correlated of, play. Yeah, yes, that's, yes, pro- yes. that's yeah. probably true. I'll, I'll, that's I like probably that. True. Yeah, I like that call a lot. That's probably true. Although, right. although I will just push back a little bit. Twenty nine hundred on DraftKings. If you, I, I think he can still be a one-off. But I, that's I would probably have to see true. what build like what yeah. what my opportunity cost would be at other positions. Yeah, I think we're talking about getting weird on a three gamer. Like this isn't a two tight in thing for y'all no, correct no okay no, I, no, I, no, I, no i'm not there i just i know people play no. the two tight end yeah. bullshit no. i gotta throw it out there i i yeah. i i don't disagree no. at all i just throwing it out there 
I'll bring it back yeah. real quick. I think that Eric Ebron has the uh, highest odds to catch a touchdown outside of Andrews. I feel like Kev was kind of saying that. Um, I mean, just in this Steelers offense, any of those guys can catch one. And then just my last thing, and then I'll shut the hell up. Debro, I actually really like what you said about the Logan Thomas and Dalton Schultz thing because the entire fantasy community all year – air yards, targets, snaps for Logan Thomas, but it's literally been the exact same thing for Schultz. And I loved him when Dak Prescott was there. Unfortunately, he's out, but he's still playing 90% of the snaps. He's always out there. He's still getting targeted. It's the same situation as Logan Thomas. You can get him at home uh, at a lower ownership percentage, I feel like. So that's kind of why I was talking about maybe having a one-off tight end in that game. So um, it's a similar situation, but I think one that people are are viewing differently for some reason. Schultz leads the Cowboys. He's tied with Gallup. He's got nine red zone targets, so two behind Hawkinson. And, and he he literally yeah. has a top three matchup for tight ends this week. And he and he's kind of good. Like he's a good player. He's, I think. I mean, I think there's ways that if you're correlating your lineups, like if you're not going to play Zeke, then do you play Schultz or another Dallas pass catcher and run him with McLaurin? Like if you're getting off ownership percentage, like. Uh-huh. Zeke doesn't get there. Schultz gets the two touchdowns. It, it's not insane. It, I mean, we're on a three gamer, boys. You got to get weird somehow. I mean, we just literally saw it last week. Play I would love the to goal see, line, and they threw it to Dalton Schultz. I would love to see Dalton splits thrown a tight end in Cincinnati. I haven't gone back and looked at that, but I feel like he's oh, wow. targeted Eifert. Tyler Eifert, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Tyler Eifert splits. He loved, dude. That. He he Eifert, he yeah. kept trying to go like he was forcing it to Schultz there towards the end of last game. And Minnesota, the other thing about it is Minnesota's really good versus the tight end. Like their safeties are good. So I, I think if he can catch a touchdown there, if he's going to get wow. targets, we've only seen a two game sample from Andy Dalton. Man, I'm going to go back to it. I like that and, game overall, and there's a lot of sneaky parts that nobody wants to play. Dalton Schultz being one of them. And we talked about it with Lamar Jackson yeah. loving to throw down the middle of the field. Andy Dalton has always loved to throw down the middle of the field, whether it's a tight end, whether it's a, a slot wide receiver. So True. So on the season, we've seen that with CeeDee Lamb. We've seen that with CeeDee Lamb. All I was going to say up, is, is on the season, uh, TJ ha- or Mark Andrews uh, leads all tight ends and red zone targets with 20. Uh, TJ uh, TJ Hawkinson is second with 17. And then in terms of end zone targets, Hawkinson and Mark Andrews are tied with nine. And that's among all um, wide wide receivers and tight ends. It's not just just, Mm -hmm. just among the tight ends. So uh, both of them uh, obviously are heavily involved inside the – and also I thought it was interesting that Marquise Brown was actually um, just below them. He has eight end zone targets, (sighs) um, which is a little wild. Please don't make me. That is wild. I can't, man. I don't want to. I just, I, I, just, I can't. I don't want to. Can't. <laughs> I already got burned. I played Marquise in this last time. I played him in this matchup last time. He did score a touchdown. Did you... Oh, he... yeah. <laughs> it's the only catch of the game. It hurt. Yeah. <laughs> it, hurt, it hurt so much. Hey, I was looking at my lineups and I was like, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, he's got it. Doesn't this feel like the week though, like when Seven. everybody's completely Seven. just done with him and that they're 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 he's dead, nobody's yeah, gonna yeah. play him. We live in a you're probably right. You're probably and, right. And this is the week that he just goes yeah. off and, and, and breaks the slate. And we weird things and then Twitter is gonna be like, See, I told you, look at them air yards, they ain't been realized, man. Come right. on. Like it's week eleven, bro. Well, like you ain't realized shit. I don't know if you're gonna realize shit. <laughs> Yeah, this this will be the perfect week too because Scott Scott Barrett just came out today. I think it was today. I saw, I saw it today. Oh, it that's every night. day and for Scott. Just every conceded. day is a Marquise day, bro. 
No, but he took the L on the market. He apologized. Oh, that's yeah. okay. Never mind. That's a horse of a different color. So, never mind. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So it took him this long to take pop off. Yeah, it took took him this, took him all the way to week eleven hey, to take the L on Marquise. I uh, some, some just throwing it out there. To the grave with you. I, I have no to exposure grave. to Marquise uh, this year. I played him against the Colts a couple weeks ago. He did nothing. I played him once. Um, it, th- this is the type of situation though where Kev, like you said, like. You just say, I don't really like him, but he's going to be 5% owned. He's going to be. Yeah. Owned. I'll, I'll tell you what, though, like, it, Maddie, you, you talked about Gus Edwards earlier, and I, I was kind of, you know, I was like, oh, I want to bring this up, but we were moving along. But I was going to say, if you're playing Gus Edwards and he's not one of your two running backs, like if you had him some for some reason in the flex there and you had ways to kind of save salary, I would make, you know, sure that I had $600 that I could pivot off to Marquise Brown on oh, that lineup if we're thinking absolutely. about it. Because if he, you know, you're talking, you're talking about the last play of the game and you're looking at players around you and, oh my goodness, you know, we, you know, some players are left and they only have, you know, you can calculate it and it's only 4K or 42K or something like that. And you can figure out who people have. Um, and just if you have the way to get to Marquise Brown there in that last game of him going, that would just be, that would be bananas. No, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually have an example from this past weekend um, where I had Dalvin on, I think it was three of my five teams I played, but the three teams I had him on, I had like one or two guys who did awful. And so I was like, okay, well, there's guys in front of me that have Dalvin, so I need to pivot. Let me play Adam Thielen as a pivot and Thielen fucking smashed. Yeah, so 35. Coming, coming down from Dalvin to Thielen, it allowed me to upgrade the other guys that I had left too. So it's. I just wanted to touch on your your point of being able to pivot in those later games is so important after you realize you know what what your team has compared to what the optimal has for that first game or that first two games and what's left on the last game of the, of the slate. It, it's so important. Right. It's just like even though Dalvin was the best play of the slate overall, you just have to be different at that point to try to vault yourself ahead. Like, what if Dalvin yeah. what if Dalvin rolls an ankle in the first quarter and gets four points? And now I've got Thielen getting 35 and the field, 60% of the field has Dalvin getting four. I have a massive advantage and I have a chance to cash and maybe even win a tournament. So it's right. it's so important just to be different at that point if you are drawing a little bit dead, especially on a three-game slate. I get, love that we're talking freaking, about this, man. Get freaking yeah. weird. Play, points play can make Marquise the difference. Brown, if you got a late swap, man. And he scores 29 yeah. points. You, It doesn't yeah. matter what your other guys did. You've got a shot. If you're, yeah, if, you're, if, you're if you want to be hand holding with people going into the last game, like if you're on the chalk or something like that, yeah. like you know, one of these Pittsburgh wide receivers, I don't care. Like it's gonna make you feel queasy and like you're gonna freaking throw up in your hands, man. But like yeah. if you're close yeah. to the top, <laughs> you've got to sit here and try to find a way to get different. Unless you were just so far, like you're looking at it and you are just you got the optimal, yeah. yeah, unless yeah. you're just crushing the field. Then I'm, am I going to tell you to get off a smash play in the last game and you are crushing the field? Then shit, no. But like, if right. it's close, you're looking at guys below you that got one, two guys, three guys mm-hmm. that could possibly catch you. They likely have the guy that you have and yes. two others. You got to do it, man. A like, guy and that's how you you don't play. You don't play to cash. You play to try to get first in these damn right. things, man. Yep. 
Right. I <laughs> love, unless I love your lineups are dead and you do play the cash and then you pivot to make then sure you, that you you still do it. You still do it. Yes. Then you play from friend. dead to cash. <laughs> right. right. Hey, and that's that's a great feeling. That is a great feeling. Dead yep. to cash is phenomenal. So yeah, we I just I just like to talk about that kind of stuff because you know I, I just can't talk talk about it enough, especially on Sun or on Thursday as people are building their lineups. It'll be set and forget. And they will just be looking at their teams. And if they're, you know, if they didn't yeah. get the Houston and Detroit game right, they're just going to be like, damn, you know, I didn't win money this week. That's I'm going to eat turkey. Still, I don't care. I'm going to go take a right, Exactly. There's yeah. still two games left, and you can figure out ways to kind of maybe, you know, save your yeah. weeks. So it's very I important. Love that. Um, yeah, Marquise is let, the perfect late round swap. 100%. I love it. Yep. Yeah, let's let's talk about defense here as we close it out and we and we get into our DraftKings building. We didn't lie to y'all, man. We had, we had two hours here and we're just talking. We're just talking about Thanksgiving goodness, the Thanksgiving slate. This is perfect. Kev gonna be in his little uh, red photo room editing this late at night, <laughs> late into the wee hours. Uh, so it's beautiful. But let's let's talk about defense here because I do think there's a conversation to be had here as well, and I think it's an important one as people try and get the defenses right now. Ben, I'm gonna have you start off here because of the way that FanDuel has priced things. I just clicked over just because I wanted to see because I see the Cowboys here are 2800 on DraftKings and I go in FanDuel and I believe they're the minimum price right on over there which I think is just ab- absolutely ridiculous when you're factoring in like who they're playing on the other side and what that's able what you're able to do over there um, with your built. So I think that that makes for an interesting play. But I do think, you know, the top two here on DraftKings are the Steelers and Washington football team. I think those are going to be where people start because the Lions and, and Texans game, uh, we, we're expecting points. I think people don't want to play those defenses. And and you kind of don't have to when you're looking at the Texans are 2,700 and the Cowboys are 2,800. And we just, you know, if they're able to get pressure there with this front seven that they have with, you know, Smith and and the linebackers that they have getting back healthy, I, I do think that there comes some merit there playing a home game against the Washington football team who hasn't showed us that they can really blow teams out or really take a lead and, and run with it. So, let Ben, let's start with you, man, and just kind of tell me where you're at with defense this week as we get in here early yeah, on. Yeah, I'm Monday. cutting in and out a little bit, so let me know if you can hear me. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, that could be me too. <clears throat> All right. Uh, yeah. So I'm actually surprised. Um, I actually think that FanDuel's pricing is pretty sharp in some ways. Like I talked about Washington. I, I like I said, I haven't looked at pricing yet just because I just wanted to have the big picture conversations, um, you know, really get my head. It's still Monday. I'm looking at this now. Washington, like you said, at 4,800 Cowboys in that same game at 3,300. That's a huge difference. And I want a defense in this game because just me personally, I'm not that into this game. So um, I'm looking at both of those defenses for sure. Yeah, it it, it, it does make for an interesting game there uh, with with defenses as they're both they're both pretty good. Um, it, we're talking about defenses here. And, and Kev, why don't you kind of talk me talk, talk to us about defense and what you're doing? I mean, we have talked about like not paying up for the top defense all year. It's only a three game slate. Is there any way that the Steelers at 4200, you know, can't be on builds and just, you know, make you feel comfortable with what, with what able, what you're able to do with the rest of your lineup. 
I think I try to play Washington if I can get to him at 3,700. If I can't, I just pick who's ever the cheapest. Like, I don't think there's like a, a clear path, I think, to any of these defenses where, because I, I, th- I think Dallas is interesting at 2,800, but Alex Smith is so turnover prone or, or turnover, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not prone, but um, averse, yeah. Uh, yeah. where, where yeah. he is super safe. And so expecting him to, you know, throw a bunch of turnovers or have, a, you know, turn the ball over, I think is something that I wouldn't put a lot of money on. So the only defense that I would really consider that I think that has that shot would probably be Washington against Dallas because Andy Dalton can make a lot of dumb mistakes. Um, of course, I mean, I, I guess you could say maybe say that about Matt Stafford, but regardless, there's no defense on here outside of Pittsburgh and Washington where I feel like, okay, both these defenses are really good. But if I can't get up to them, I'm not going to try to force them in, in any lineup. I'll, I'll be fine. If I, have to, if I have to play the Texans, I'll play the Texans. If I have to play the Cowboys, I'll play the Cowboys. Hope for the best. But for me, like that's pretty much where I'm – it's pretty much where my build, whatever I have left, that's what I'm going to play. I feel Can you, you hear me now? I feel yeah, 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 much better. All right, much let's, better. Let's try this again real quick. Yeah, I I think FanDuel's pricing uh, is pretty uh, is pretty smart in some spots. I, I I wasn't looking at pricing just because I wanted to get my head straight. It's only Monday, but I'm looking at it now. Washington forty eight hundred. That's expensive. So when I'm making builds, wow. if I yeah. if I yeah, like you said, Ryan. So if I'm making builds and I want to get one more stud in the flex, um, and I can't afford it, I'll just drop down to Dallas at thirty three hundred because. I, I've already said I want a defense in that game, and I kind of think Washington can win this game, but I don't know who's going to win. And I think both defenses can make plays um, because I don't love either quarterback in the game. So Washington's my favorite. Uh, the Steelers would be my second favorite, just like Kev said. But because of the pricing, if I can go down to thirty three hundred, I'll just go down to the Cowboys. Yeah, that that's crazy. And and for those of you who maybe, you know, you're looking at dabbling on FanDuel or you haven't really played FanDuel, like the highest price defense is 5K. So for Washington to be 4,800, I mean, that's that's pretty incredible um, that they're right. priced up all the way all the way up there. That's that uh, really is going to hinder some builds. Uh, Maddie, take take it over, man. Defense here. Steelers at the top. Washington football team, Ravens, Cowboys, Texans, Lions in that order on DraftKings. How are you feeling? Are you feeling the same way about Kev? Just let the build talk for itself and then whatever you can fit, you fit in. Yeah, absolutely. I will say I I do kind of like the Texans just because I like to expose myself to defenses that are going to face a lot of pass attempts. And if we think Houston crushes uh, and Matt Stafford's going to have to throw a lot, there's obviously more bad things can happen with more dropbacks and more pass attempts. Uh, You look for more sacks, more sack fumbles and more interceptions. Uh, So I will say don't, Even though that game is, you know, slated to, to be somewhat high scoring, don't don't sleep on the Texans defense there. Um, well, and and what week was that? I can't remember what week it was. It could have been last week or last year or the year before that. But I know there was a year where the defense started out with like twenty points, like from the slated. It's just like, well, shit. Like, yeah, the defense already has twenty. So how am I going to be different everywhere else? I want to say that was two years ago. I feel like it was like Minnesota or something two years ago. Yeah, it was It was something just outlandish. And, uh, you know, when that first game um, goes a little bit awry, that, that's where you have to scramble. You have to pivot and you have to yeah. try and make other plays there. But defense, I, too, I mean, unless there's really, you know, unless you get into that 20-point range of defense, like the Cleveland Browns last week who put up 24 or whatever it was, like that's where it's really going to, like, start affecting you and killing you. And you really have to look at other massive ways to, to get different. But, you know, if they put up 15, 16, something like that, I think you can still feel good about the rest of your teams. I, re- come. 
I remember it was the same year. Uh, I think I alluded to it earlier. The Stafford, Megatron, Theo Riddick, Megastack against Chip Kelly and the Eagles. That second game was, I think, the year that the Panthers went to the Super Bowl um, against Tony Romo, and they picked sixed him twice. So that yes. I don't know if that's what you're thinking of, but the Panthers Maybe it was. went stupid. Because I had some uh, Stafford mega stacks, and I was like, oh, I'm about to be raking in the money, but I didn't have Panthers defense, and I was fucked. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, defense can, defense can be tilting. So I, I do like that, Maddie. I mean, you're looking at that. And like I said, you know, they're on DraftKings, they're $100 different from the Cowboys who are in a home game. And as Kev's saying, okay, so why am I not playing the Cowboys? They're – uh, don't you know uh, Alex Smith protects the football and so if they're going to be popular which I do think that they will be popular because of the salary relief that they can have and just the whole matchup there uh, the Texans at a hundred dollars cheaper does make sense in a pivot there when people are thinking oh that game's going to score a lot of points I can't have a defense from this game Texans don't get pressure but you know special teams touchdown or uh, you know, a random pick six, random sack fumble, like anything could happen. And especially on a three game slate, you have to let things kind of fall into fall into place for you um, on lineups. Derek, talk to me about defense as we wrap this up. I mean, you automatically gravitate to, to defenses that can pressure extremely well, put some duress on the quarterbacks. The Steelers and Washington footballs make a ton of sense in this one. Ravens, if they're missing two of their defensive linemen, I'm, I might just X them out um, because there's one, they're going to have problems with pressure. Two, they're probably going to have problems with run defense. So as a popular defense and just a sexy name, I might just take them off the board. Um, I, I'm actually uh, on the opposite end of what Maddie's talking about. I, I like the Lions. If I'm picking between the Lions and the Texans, I'll, I'll take the Lions. I mean, when I'm starting my builds on DK, I'll just put the Lions in as the holder and then make the rest of my build and whatever I have left over, then I'll figure out what the hell I do with defense. If it's stay on the Lions, that's fine. If it's go up, that's fine too. Like defense is the last thing to get filled for me, so I'm not worried. Like I'm all about punt defensing. It doesn't matter. We talk about high total games. Lions are playing at home. Um, I would pick them over going with the Texans in this spot because the Texans can't pressure, they can't cover, they can't do anything. The same thing can be said for Lions, but at least the Lions at home. I mean, I can you can look back to their last few weeks, six points, four points, four points, zero, four, six, uh, versus even looking at the Texans. And, I mean, you're looking at three, five, four, zero, negative two, four, um, mm-hmm. I, I slightly in the lions, uh, one being a home team Two, we know that they're going to pass, um, with Watson. I mean, we know the offensive line we've talked about it is not great. So Watson can be sacked. He can be pressured. Even if the lions are not wonderful, even though they're missing some guys. Um, uh, I think you're also looking at like a little bit, I say a little bit because pricing we've talked about is a little bit softer on this. Like you could play all the dudes, so if you wanted to try to get some correlation with your lineups and you wanted to go James Conner and Steelers defense, if you've got the cash and the build works out, I don't disagree with that. So a lot of it is it's going to work out with two different factors where I land on defense. Um, it's going to come down to what the rest of my build is. And if the Lions and the men defense are the last ones in, I don't care because if all the defenses only score four to six points and the Lions score four points – 
then it doesn't matter. You could have paid 4200 for four points. You could have paid 2200 for four points. It doesn't freaking matter. Um, versus if you wanted to go correlation and your build works out where you got the salary to do that, I'm fine with that too. So really, it comes down to just lineup construction for me, and that's where I'm going to land. Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, it's 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 got to be this is the perfect week, I feel like, and we've talked about this a ton on the DJ Nation pod, where you just let your lineup kind of speak to you. And it just has to be one of the last things you consider. You can't be looking at this and saying, oh, my goodness, I need to play Pittsburgh. I need to play Washington and just whatever, you know, my build can be after that is what I'll play. You have to just think about your correlated teams from the offensive standpoint and if that, you know, if you're getting on lineups and that leads you to Lions at 2200, then Lions at 2200 it is. I mean, on a three-game slate, even on Watson builds, I mean, sometimes it can just be, make sense. And defense is just I'm not so... going to come off a 6K wide receiver to go down to a 4K wide receiver just right. so I can get the damn Steelers <laughs> defense in. The hell with that shit. Right. Like, right. no, right. I'm, not, I'm not doing right. that. There's, there's no right. must-own defense. So, yeah. 100%. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Everybody has to be be in play, but I do I do think there is some merit to saying okay, thirty one hundred for the Ravens, uh, D bros. You were saying like they're missing two guys. I could I could see myself like not having any of them. Like even yep. even if it's in that range, like I'll just go down. If I have thirty one hundred, I'll still go down to Cowboys or Texans or Lions even and play them just because I I just don't see a way. Um, that they could potentially when the Ravens are a road dog, like that, you just look at that. Right. It doesn't exactly right. favor them, and they're beat up. Right. Yeah. And, exactly. And, and, and Lamar's at, been turning it over this year um, too, yeah. so they could get in the short fields a lot of points. So yeah, yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be fun this week. It's a it's a fun one here for the Week Twelve NFL DFS breakdown, and uh, you know we can't we can't end this podcast without building a team and there's five of us, there's nine positions. So somebody's going to have to go twice. Um, it'll be interesting to see who that person is, but we've been playing in the $5 uh, huddle single entry on DraftKings pretty much all year started out strong. We're going to need some recovery here. So Ben and Derek, you guys can help pick us up here on the builds and, uh, Let's get into get into this build here as we pull up the five dollars single entry. There's this is a, a nine thousand ninety five hundred uh, pool of people who are playing in just to kind of give some perspective there. So you know, not not crazy big field, but still close to ten k people. So it's a single entry. You got to think about you got to think about that in ways that you can be different if you're getting into pools like this. So we'll start it off and. Um, Let's see. I mean, we got to get Derek. Let's start with you, man. I feel like you're you're always a voice of reason. Started off the or with the with the build <laughs> and let us know how we're going for Thanksgiving slate. <laughs> I was like, damn it, don't pick me first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, man, forget it. I'm going Will Fuller. I'm not picking quarterback. I'm just going to okay. go with it. I'm going Will Fuller. Kev, pick it up. That was a mistake. <laughs> what? And I, I, I love it. I want to hear it. It's the most Kevin thing said the entire pod. <laughs> well, now you just leave me with the ability. Like I, I, I really think about going. I mean, I could go Lamar Jackson here. That would uh, be fun. But I'm going to go James Conner. Let's go. Fair enough. Put James Conner in at running back position. Ben, we'll go to you. Um, 
I was going to say Watson, but fuck it. We're going Jordan Akins. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie, take it over. Well, we've got Fuller and Akins, so we might as well play Watson. We're going to let someone else do it. Um, all right. So uh, I'm going to – I'm going to go correlation in that game, and I'm just going to put in Kenny Galladay right now as the placeholder, seeing as we don't know what his status is. But if he plays, I think that makes the most sense of a correlation build on a team like this. But he's also the most expensive wide receiver. So there are ways to kind of get, you know, get different if he is ruled out and we can get down into the Marvin Jones, Marvin Hall Agnew, as uh, Derek was alluding to, a realm of things to kind of make this build interesting there. So this is Monday, and there is a lot of room for us to pivot on these plays, and we'll be able to share it out on the DJ Nation pod Twitter handle there um, as we get to finalize this build because there are so many people who are questionable that we will have to monitor here. So keep that in mind. I guess the other the other thing, too, would be if Swift is in. If Swift is ruled in, we could yeah. also play him at – He's 6,500, so I'll, I'll, I'll try and monitor that we have uh, 300 to play around with or 500 to play around with so we can move up to him. I said earlier Maddie. I thought FanDuel's pricing was actually kind of smart. I've been just making lineups on my phone. It's not. It's super soft. And then I'm looking at DraftKings. <laughs> it's super soft. And I'm looking at DraftKings, which is usually more competitive. How are Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Kenny Galladay, like how are these guys not all at least $1,000 more expensive? I don't, I don't understand. It. They were yeah. I don't understand. You play whoever you want. But I, I, I think McLaurin actually goes lower around because of it. Yep. Yeah, well, and I think that, I mean, we know that Thanksgiving kind of lends itself to it's right before the fantasy playoffs. Um, people are more, you know, Ben, you talked about it at the beginning, like you're on DraftKings because they're offering so many promos for you to make it enticing for you to come on. So if you're a casual player or somebody who maybe created a DFS account at the beginning of the year when they were doing that free bet for the Kansas City uh, whoever that was, the Kansas City-Houston game opened up and that was that free $100 that they're doing. They're offering all these incentives to get people in. I think they they made pricing soft for a reason because if they made it as tight as they have been doing for the main slates over the past couple of weeks, it would just not encourage people to play. So maybe they're trying to get, yeah. maybe they're trying to cater to the masses here this week. I don't know. I'm trying to come up with reasons for them because it is. I think it makes it fun though, because like Maddie said, like you can play anybody. So that's going to create more unique builds so and we, all we the dudes don't always to... score all the points. Like yep. if you if right. you could play any slate with no salary cap and you just went in and you plugged in Devontae Adams, okay. Let me get Dalvin Cook. Okay. Let me get uh whoever the top QB is. Like let me get Patrick Mahomes. Though all those guys are not gonna be the highest scoring players on the slate. No, like, you yes, gotta take stands. They're the safe. But they're like not I talked about not playing any Mark Andrews. Yep. You have to take stands regardless right. of what they are. You have to take stands more on short slates than on mm-hmm. on bigger yep. slates. Mm-hmm. You have to. Now, you yeah. could be totally wrong, and then you're just going to burn all your lineups. But if you're right, see at the top. Diversify, make a couple different stances, and, and let it yep. ride. Agreed. Yep. Agreed. Right. <laughs> all right. So next. Let, let's let's get to the build. And so, uh, Derek, I actually moved off Kenny Galladay and I put in Swift just because he is the most okay. expensive lion. And if he plays, I do like him probably the most of that game as a potential run back and just hope that he's getting the scoring and forcing Watson to throw. So I okay. put him in at 6,500, which gives us Watson, Connor, Swift, Fuller, and Akins. 
5150 is what's left per player. We got uh, two wide receivers of flex and defense, and it's back on you. All right. Uh, I'm going to correlate with James Conner. I'm going to go Willie Sneed here. There he's dead. Yes. Leave <laughs> <laughs> some salary. You can pivot to Marquise Brown there. There you go. There you go. All right. Um, Kev? What's he going to say? This is terrible. This is the worst. You're on mute, Kevin. You're on mute. So, since I, I, I'm making a, a mirror lineup here with, with this, I am not going to play Willie Sneed, and I'm going to X that out, and I'm going to put Marcus Brown in. Uh, but <laughs> on my pick, um, I'm going to go with. <laughs> yes! I knew it was uh, coming. Is your mirror, gonna... Did your mirror build have Akins too? I did. I did leave Akins in. Like I can see okay. that as for like play it out for now. But I cannot. Yeah, okay. I cannot uh, with a good conscience. The two guys that I was not going to play in it Wait. were were going to be Gus Edwards or fucking uh, or or, uh, or Willie Sneed. So, Kev, are anyway. you just doing? Yeah, yeah, to take a stand. Kev, are you just doing this uh, on the side yourself, or are you literally canceling out Derek's pick? Oh, no, uh, yes, I am. I am using the lineup. You guys are. I, I'm throwing it in the wishbone. And the answer is yes. <laughs> and I'm canceling out the pick because I cannot, I love in it. my own heart, play <laughs> Willie Sneed. So, all right, so, all right, so we're going. We're going. Mark, Marquise Brown is okay because I'm following along here. No, no, you guys are still going with Willie Sneed. I'm not. I'm talking about on my own lineup that I am building with oh, your okay. guys' picks. That's what I'm saying. I am no. changing the play. <laughs> yes, yeah, on my lineup. But on this lineup, it still has Willie Sneed. Yes. <laughs> and and knowing that it has Willie Sneed, Kev, how would you look to save the lineup, so to speak? <laughs> well, he would say play the Pittsburgh defense because Willie Sneed sucks ass. <laughs> That's what he two, would say. Two fumble, two fumble <laughs> In correlation, you're playing Willie Sneed, he sucks. <laughs> That's the correlation. We well, have. we've already paid the rake on this lineup with playing Willie Sneed, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go. You know what? We're just gonna get weird now. I, I'm just gonna play Michael Gallup at uh, 3,500. Oh God, this is going off the rails real quick. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> so now you you know what you did, Kev? Is that? Uh, nope. Actually, Gallup- no. I changed my mind. I changed my mind. I'm okay. playing Ezekiel Elliott in the flex. Okay. He's so cheap oh. too. I was going to say, because if Swift gets ruled out and uh, Gallup is 3,500, Gus Edwards is 5K, just move that. Move move, uh, Gus Edwards into the. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, baby. (laughs) (laughs) But okay, no. So we got got Deshaun, we got Connor, we got Swift, Fuller, Sneed, Akins, and Elliott. Wide receiver and defense left. This actually, this build is actually interesting. I. I, I don't I don't mind it. So how we how are we gonna bring it home here? Uh Ben, it's you and then it's Maddie. So decide who's gonna take defense and who's gonna take receiver. So we have Watson Fuller Akins. We bring it back with Swift if he plays. We have Connor for Pittsburgh. Yep. We bring it back with Willie Sneed. And then the yep. only person we have in Washington and Dallas right now is Zeke, which is fine. Um hmm. It just depends on what your two v twos look like, right? I mean, let let's. Uh, mm. You could bring back Zeke with McLaurin. You could. You can triple stack Watson. You could triple stack Watson. 
And then... Will is smart. Will is a very smart man. That's why he listens to the show all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Will, shout out, Will. Well, yeah, let's, you let's, could you could play Cooks and then get to Steelers D and correlate with James Conner. Let's not overthink it. Let's triple stack it like we've talked about the whole show with Brandon Cooks. All right. All right. Steelers I, I D. I think we need a little James triple Conner. stack upside here. Steelers D, and that's zero. That is zero. Uh, Wait, I, I can't fit him in on my lineup. Hold on. I can't. I can't. Well, I guess we'll be in first while you're sitting in 15th, Kev. It's all good. Uh, all hey, right. Kev, play Miles Boykin, Kev. You, you'll fit him in. Play Dez. Play, Go, Dez. play Dez, maybe. Yeah, play Dez. He can't separate. I mean, he, he, you're looking for the Nick Boyle replacement. He's a tight end, right? <laughs> I feel really good. Hey. So, and my lineup is Sean Watson, James Conner, Swift, Fuller, Marquise Brown, Brandon Cooks, Aikens, Elliott, and Washington football team. So. See, I like that a lot too. But then you're okay. Washington and and Zeke. I mean, I guess it. I guess it's fine on a three game slate. But I don't really love that negative correlation. Yeah, just feels negative. It just it doesn't feel like positive EV. But what do you know? Whatever. <laughs> so that's the, yeah that's the team one more time it's in the it's in the five dollar single entry huddle if you want to play along watson connor swift if he plays cooks fuller willie sneed akins ezekiel elliott and pittsburgh d submitting that in to the lineup or yeah it's one of the lineups and uh that i think is gonna do it for the week 12 uh thanksgiving slate breakdown as we get into uh two hours and 30 minutes of what <laughs> only be classified man y'all knew it was going over typical, typical oh, we knew we knew yeah i mean when you think about it really i mean you guys just account for you know 30 minutes of talk because we're consistently hitting 90 uh, just the three of us on the DGen Nation. So we just add you guys in, just bring in an extra 30. It's all good there. But we appreciate everybody who's been rocking around. YouTube channel's actually been pretty active tonight. So we appreciate everybody who's been rocking around this whole time uh, to, to hear everything broken down. It's, it's, a, it's a family tradition. It's, it's one like any other. It's what we've done all year uh, to give you guys, you know, fantasy goodness. And especially with it being early in the week on Monday, you know, just take everything with a grain of salt. Go back and listen to uh, the positional breakdowns and just kind of, you know, we did talk things out. If this guy misses, if this guy ends up playing, everything is going to be covered there on how we feel. So um, you'll you'll have a lot to kind of unpack there. But can't, th- can't thank you guys enough for joining us in. I mean, Ben and Derek for taking the time uh, to come in here, join in on, on the on the foolery that we offer here. It's, it's, it's great talking to you guys as always. And we'll definitely have to get you guys back, whether it's for the regular season or for playoffs, um, which is always fun there. The, the wild card weekend, maybe we can work something out and make something happen. Yeah, uh, baby. That sounds yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Derek Brown at D bro underscore FFB is where you can find him on Twitter. If you guys aren't following him already, you have to do so. FTN is where he's holding it down there for the nation. One half of the chalk, the uh, chalk fade podcast, right? I got that right. Yeah, you got it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure. Just want to make sure. Uh, and Ben Cummins, you can find him on Twitter at Ben Cummins FF doing stuff with the fantasy footballers and doing stuff on his own YouTube channel as well. So make sure you guys are following him on Twitter. Go check out his content that he's putting out every week with Benny's bets and other uh, 
weekly breakdowns that he's doing onto the slate as he talks about FanDuel as well. But he, you know, took it on the chin this week, playing some DraftKings with us. We really appreciate that. Uh, and signing off for the usual suspects, Mr. Kevin Steele, the godfather himself at Fantasy Rap 13. Child, please going over to Maddie Buckets, Maddie DFS. Matt, I was where you can find him on Twitter and myself, Ryan Alexander underscore W, Ryan Williams. Guys, week to apply. Go out there, get this money for the Thanksgiving slate. We'll see you guys in the chat. We'll see you guys in the Slack. And thank you guys for rocking along with us. It's the D-Gen Nation powered by the Fantasy Authority. We will catch you guys later this week for the main slate breakdown. We're still going to get that to you. Until then, peace. You think you can tell me what to do? Who you're talking to? But you better get used to the way the war back. I see what you.